I like the path to the win more than the win. Well, the win's always a letdown. Yeah, the win is always like anticlimactic. I like the push to like get the win and then I enjoy instantly like moving into the next push Mm -hmm. to get the win. Not sitting there and like basking in like glory of like, oh, we did this. This is this is fantastic. Welcome to Oil and Whiskey, an Ironclad Original. I am Josh Henning. I'm Phil Gerber. I'm Jeremy Gerber. Welcome to Oil and Whiskey, an Ironclad Original, presented by Blade HQ. Today's guest is Kibbe Tech founder Ryan Kibbe. Kibbe Tech specializes in premier off road products and long travel suspensions. We've also got some new gear reviews and we take some more of your listener questions. But first, it's time for On the Gas. On the Gas is a segment where we take some time to shout out an individual vendor, shop, or company that's got their foot on the gas, doing great work, or just building some cool-ass shit that like, we like to look at. And then we talk about it. or like, these guys should be Go check on the gas. Out. Go check them out. And then we talk about them, and it's time for On the Gas. On the... <laughs> on... Oh, I didn't, I didn't know where you're going. Sorry. We, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll it's, there, it's yeah. coming. Edge of my seat over here. Yeah, I know. I know you're really excited about the jingles, so just don't worry. They're in process. But for On the Gas, who do we have this week? Gentlemen. We have Henry over at Steadfast Manufacturing. Uh, Henry basically owns it with the Model A32 game. That dude builds some killer, killer vintage hot rods. Always and, nails the stance. Yeah, he has got the fucking stance just locked down. So some of those, I don't know if like the fenders are resting right there on the tops of the tires. I don't really care because it just, it just looks looks cool. the way that it's <laughs> just supposed to look. I mean, that's a 29 Model A extended cab truck. That's a tough vehicle to make cool. But he but did he's, it. He's done it. And he's, uh, I mean, if you dig around his Instagram page, it's loaded with awesome traditional hot rod porn everything that henry does is bitching including his shop he's kind of got like the dream setup over there built a beautiful shop i think it's in his backyard isn't it yeah in the backyard in southern michigan i think he is um did it like two years three years ago just absolutely awesome huge shop super clean all kinds of cool stuff in there yeah talented talented dude i think he's working for the most part by himself isn't he uh, I don't know that for sure, but I'm just gonna go with that because it sound that sounds pretty good. Yeah, he's he's a he's a he's a small shop and his shop's on his property and he's building badass shit. But every it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a tr- traditional hot rod. It could be a muscle car. It could be a truck, and it's just got a look for the, sure and the right look. Yeah, the, the 32 sedans he does, dude. That is man, the rake on them, the right wheel, the right tire. And it's just so fucking sexy looking. The headlights, big 32 commercials or 34, 34 commercials, commercial. sucked in tight and everything's just right, man. It's, it's simplicity, but yet very complex. A lot of thought obviously goes into that to make it look that simple and bitching. That's him. Yeah. With sunglasses. Great beard. In an airplane. Great, an airplane. great beard on that dude too. <laughs> Phenomenal beard. 
Check them out. Uh, steadfast MFG on Instagram. And that's not, that's, is that motherfuckers or is that? I think motherfucking that's, garage. I think that's manufacturing. Okay. It's short for. Got it. Yeah. Good, good, good. I don't know if Henry would like that. He doesn't no, cuss a lot. Yeah, I don't think he does. So. Yeah. If he listened, I think he listens to the show though. Yeah, I, think I think he's, he's made peace with it. Really? <laughs> I don't know. No? I think it's either listen or, or don't listen. I mean, yeah. We'll know. We'll find out. Uh, all right. Ryan Kibbe is the founder of Kibbe Tech. Known for their gold look and located in Newberry Park, California, Kibbe Tech is not far from the desert, which they consistently use as their proving grounds for their custom parts and builds. You can check out Kibbe Tech Parts and learn more about the company at kibbetech.com and on YouTube and Instagram at Kibbe Tech. Ryan Kibbe, welcome to Oil & Whiskey. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. It's always fun to do something different. Yeah, it's funny, man, when you said that about how he's known for the gold look, I was like, that sounds kind of cheesy, because, like, he does really bitching stuff, being known for the gold look, but then I think about him, like, yeah, that's what kind of draw. I remember yeah. seeing that stuff pop up, and I'm like, whoa, dude, yeah. that's fucking rad. Like, yeah. Yeah. And now you kind of own that, because I've wanted to anodize some stuff gold, but I'm like, ah, it's going to look like, you know, Kibby Tech. Yeah, you own that now. <laughs> that's, huh? that's, funny. <laughs> that's funny. Everyone's like, oh, do a gold. Oh, that's going to look like, uh, you know. One of Kibby's trucks or something. That's cool that you got the kind of corner of the market on the look. Can't forget my uh, my gold nuts too. Nice. (laughs) There you go. Everyone always asks, "Hey, you have any of your gold nuts for sale?" This always makes me (laughs) makes me laugh. So, uh, so how did it all get started, man? Tell us, tell us the, uh, tell us the story. Um, let's see if I could remember that long ago. <laughs> um, so basically like 2004 to 2006, I worked at a place doing armor plating for military vehicles. And the owner of that company, Glenn Harris, who used to race like Mickey Thompson short course, like all that kind of cool stuff back in the day. So he owned the place and he raced desert as well. So I was getting his pre-runner ready and going to Mexico with them and racing and chasing and doing all that stuff. Um, and then in late 2006, I stopped working there. I worked at another local off-road shop for about three months. And then the owner of that place was kind of a flake. So, you know, like Monday, we'd start off at seven in the morning. Tuesday would be eight. Wednesday would be nine. Friday, he'd show up around two o'clock. So one day I was finally, I was like, fuck this. And I just left. And then basically just started my own thing from there. So my, my dad had a sheet metal shop, uh, local. And so I just started building stuff on the side yard. Luckily he had an end unit and I was just building trucks outside under easy up until about 2008. Then I rented half of his shop. So I could work on stuff inside. You don't really like and then, uh, have that luxury out in the in the Midwest. Just yeah, kinda, you've got to be inside. You got like a month, maybe that yeah. you could work outside. Always by the way, we, we go <laughs> yeah. to Arizona and Southern California, drive by and look at some of these shops. They've got alignment racks outside and lifts outside, and yeah, we can't leave anything outside <laughs> yeah. overnight around here. Oh yeah, I look at that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, geez, you got to get this stuff inside, guys. What do you like? It's gonna, it's gonna rain, snow, yeah. something, shit. So yeah, that, that's that's pretty much how it started, and now we are. I'm in just just under nine thousand square feet, ten employees, and 
don't know, we're building like 14 different trucks right now and uh, just a bunch of parts. When did the, the parts manufacturing come in? I mean, obviously back then you're, I mean, I assume using other people's parts and building, building trucks. Yeah. Yeah. So back then I would just, you know, buy what I needed and built whatever else I needed. And literally was just doing it all by myself. And then um, over the course of the years, you know, building parts for certain trucks that we would get a lot of frequency with, then I would start making little parts here and there and then kind of make that kind of like not even really production. It was just like a repetitive part that we would do every now and then, you know, and now with the machines and stuff, you know, the past three or four years is really the production stuff is really not really taken over, but slowly taking over. So we got uh, three CNC machines. I got a five-axis, a three-axis mill, a lathe, and we just got a laser, a flat plate and tube laser, and a CNC press brake. So we kind of just control everything in-house now. The lasers can be a game changer having it in-house, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how quick, like, you know, say a firewall on the floor on a, uh, one of our secret projects we're doing we laser cut out the floor and the firewall in about four minutes. You might as well so push, push the bandsaw <laughs> outside under that tent and just kick, <laughs> kick the shit out of it. Because now yeah. that you have the laser in house, dude, nobody's going to cut anything. If they need like a, yeah. a ring cut, a three inch ring or a four inch square. Hey man, can you just throw some of these in yeah, there? Can on you just like, yeah. Nest this the, in. <laughs> zip that out for me. Yeah. So, which is, yeah, it's, it's awesome having that, especially like, you know, back half thing, like some of the pre-runners and aluminum, the paneling we do cut out the whole back of the truck in like 15 minutes. And that's something that we probably would have spent two weeks on it, doing it all by hand, you know, fitting every panel. And so now all we got to do is cut them, mark out the bead rolls and Zeus tabs and they're done. Are those cages and back halves repeatable enough where you can do the, that, those sheet metal parts and kits? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much, I think, uh, let me look on the camera here. How many, so a lot of the trucks we're doing right now, we can literally take the rear end, the fuel cell, the shocks, the trailing arms, everything off of one truck and it'll fit on like five or six different trucks. So we're kind of, kind of streamlining that process. I don't want every truck to just be the same, but a lot of the parts are interchangeable. How's just to make whole, our how's the whole technology and you know big step up in equipment how's that helping your business and how was the the i guess ripping the bandit off and taking the plunge to make the investment in that stuff and how do you see it paying <laughs> off yeah uh i see it paying off a lot i mean just any way that we can get the efficiency level up you know i'm all for it so i don't i don't want to just have like an assembly line of the same thing you know, in and out that just gets repetitive and kind of boring. And I still want to have, you know, a few custom, you know, builds a year, but uh, just being able to streamline that process and just make it more efficient, just is better for everybody. Cause you know, at the end, of, you know how it is building a custom car, you pay a guy, you know, his, his wages for a couple of years, building a car. And then by the time the car's done, you just kind of traded money with everyone. 
I thought everybody so, got like super rich and famous <laughs> off, of, off of building all that, that customs. That doesn't happen to yeah. you. I mean, for us, it's just you oh, know, yeah. we're, this we're swimming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm down to I'm down to six days a uh, six days a week working. That's good. So, yeah, half schedule. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, usually half day on Saturday, but Monday through Friday, it's that's from when I wake up until I go to sleep. Pretty much is that's about what we're you know, running up. There's always stuff. There's always stuff to handle for sure. So I, I got a question for you, and this is probably like a Midwest kind of question, because if I look back to like 2006, 2008, when you're talking about getting started, if I was starting here and getting into the like off-road market, I'd have been like coming out with the next like BDS lift or putting like, ran- or- yeah, like Rancho shocks or figuring out like maybe do billet lift blocks instead of like the, the cast ones. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just like a West Coast thing, but that was an interesting era where there wasn't a lot of that like long travel badass shit being real deal shit yeah it wasn't really in street trucks at that full-blown race truck at that time yeah yeah definitely so where did you yeah definitely in the past 10 15 years that stuff has got a lot bigger and more popular so is the inspiration everyone just likes jumping you know but you know i like going fast in the desert so So is the inspiration for that? And these are probably stupid questions because we're hot rod guys. But is the inspiration for that? I mean, you're looking at trophy trucks. You're looking at short course trucks and like, oh, dude, I could put this in my 1500 and still drive it to work every day. And then yeah, fucking I, take I it out like to the people, desert and rip it. Yeah, I feel like people see like, a, you know, a steel cab Chevy 1500 with a bunch of stuff done to it. Like, oh, I can have that. That looks more attainable than just, you know, seeing a trophy truck on YouTube or finally seeing one in person, you know, trophy trucks nowadays are 500 to a million bucks for a trophy truck. So, you know, someone can get, you know, some suspension on their daily driver and, you know, just have some fun with it and start there. You know, that's, that's great. I remember like that era, like you're saying, it was, it was especially coming, you know, I was in, in the South, you know, it wasn't West coast either. So you're starting to see that stuff to your point, it was full blown race, race truck baja badass and then there was lifted to fit a set of tires the in-between wasn't there i remember seeing uh jesse james's that was the red silverado on one of the show it was either i can't remember which show it was on but mz yeah <laughs> so he's out you know but that was years ago in one of the show and he's out doing shit in it like whipping donuts i think it was on monster garage or something where he just drove up to the thing and it was like yeah. oh shit that's that's like a like a regular driving truck, but he's like getting after it, which you didn't see in the ready lifts or the other, you know, just bolt on shit. That was, that was the one that did it for me. Like, fuck, but, but I always thought he was fucking cool anyway. So anything he drove up in was fucking cool. And that's, that's funny. You mentioned uh, Jesse is like when I was a kid and watched um, motorcycle mania for the first time, I'm sure you guys have all saw it. Oh yeah. When that came out, I don't know how many times I watched it, but yeah, we yeah, had, was, we had like, Jesse on the podcast. That was definitely like a turning point. Oh, for sure, man. I think for all of them, I mean, you're come same kind of era, same time frame when we came up the ranks. And yeah, we were the same deal. Did you watch, I mean, shit, that motorcycle mania? It was just so badass. That was like, that's what I'm going to do. Only yeah, not with motorcycles, but like hot rods. And, and like Long a, Beach, <laughs> hot rods, and like just that whole thing was like, Fuck, I want to do something like that. It was modern, <laughs> I was always into, it was modern you know, I grew up on dirt bikes. I was always into trucks. And then just like the fabrication part of it just kind of, you know, 
kind of came last on all that. Modern but, you know, when I, when I was 16, I built my first truck when I was, before I had my license, uh, I actually broke my arm like the day before I was supposed to get my license. So I had to wait a while, but I uh, crashed a dirt bike. But um, when I was 16, ages 15, 16, I built my first truck and I built all the A-arms. I built everything, the spindles, the A-arms, the engine cage with the coilovers. I built all that stuff by myself, by hand, like with a Sawzall and a grinder. <laughs> Damn. And it never broke. <laughs> Damn. Now, now, now you machine like it on like a five axis. Like yeah, now you put hundreds of hours of engineering machining on a five axis and something breaks. You know, but when you did it, when you when you stick welder, you yeah. weld it together with your flux core Hobart welder in the garage. Back in the day, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. So back when I built that one, I actually I TIG welded the upper A arm and then everything else was uh was MIG welded. But yeah, we don't we don't do any MIG weld yeah. that anymore. You know, you I started start. that. I started that TIG only shop hashtag years ago, and then I just kind of shot myself in the foot. And now we have to stick by it. Yeah, we, <laughs> dude, we were the same way, but we kind of we, we caved at one point. I mean, we were diehard TIG, 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 TIG everything, and we still, I, you know, you're kind of like in your own, like on your own level, I'd say. But we bring the heat with some TIG welding. But there's a time and a place for the MIG. I mean, we brought out a chassis line, and it uh, it serves a purpose, but in in your world what you're doing i mean and i'd never want yeah. to set it like, yeah I, I couldn't see uh, arms all anything that we do no no i think you guys have such a, it's such an art form what you guys are doing that i mean fuck i wouldn't buy your arms if they were make welding so yeah that just kind of separates us from the people that don't do it like that you know so when you talk about that and, and if there's you know to me if there's a better way to do something that's the way that we're going to do it and that's going to be the only option Nice. I guess that kind of answers the question because I was going to kind of ask like how with there's so many guys doing like, I mean, fucking around in the off-road world and you've set yourself apart. I mean, what was the mindset? How did you approach that to land where you're at, where you're, I mean, clearly like in a league of your own qualities, second to none. What was the, what was the thought process in getting there? Was that just like a, oh, I'm just like a good fabricator. I'm just, I got OCD. Did that happen by accident or was that like, I think it's, it's definitely a OCD thing. And like, I don't want it like, it's, it's, how do you word this? I don't want anything to be, you know, look at something that we're doing and be like, Oh, we could have did this and that would have been better, but this is good enough. Like there is no good enough. It just has to be the one way. And I guess over the years, that's just progressed more with my skill set And then the guys, you know, I bring in, their skill set, you know, all us kind of collaborating and, you know, doing what we do. But I have a basically look at every build, like if I didn't have a budget and I can just do whatever I wanted to do, that's kind of how I want to want to build them. And that's why now all the trucks we build, I only take in select few like customers that have a budget, but, you know, it's a big budget. Yeah. <laughs> where like they're not going to cheap out on their wheels or their shocks or like the wiring or anything you know it's all got to be this one way and that's it if you don't want to do it like that then this isn't the right place for you you know what was the uh what was the first first build that you think like started putting you on the map what was the big one or was the either the customer with the right budget or the right set of circumstances um what was the one that you started seeing that trajectory climb the way you wanted it 
Uh, I'd have to say the first one that really kind of put us on the map was the corporate cruiser. That was like a 2003 Chevy 1500. It was our first time ever being in a magazine and it was on the cover, you know, off-road magazine. And then the Bugatti Max uh, Duramax build, 2011 2500 Duramax pre-runner that we built, which is now actually my daily driver. I ended up back with the truck, which is pretty cool. Um, but that one was also on a bunch of covers of magazines and like the detail that we put into those, I think kind of separated, you know, took it to that next level. Like not too many people are doing custom color shocks, billet parts, you know, anodized, just a bunch of just really nice parts, you know, installed in a really, you know, uh, professional manner and just a, you know, a, a clean way of doing things. You mentioned the billet parts. I think that's what stands out uh, to me a ton is looking on your Instagram. You guys are going pretty insane with all the, uh, Billet control arms, billet uh, rear trailing arms, four bars. Um, how'd you make that yeah. jump? And you know, what was the mindset to go from fabbing everything to machining it? Yeah, so I always, I always wanted, uh, I always knew what suspension parts I wanted to do out of billet, and it was just never attainable. Trying to have like a third party do it, it would just. I see some people do it. And I don't even know how they must just break even on selling the trailing arms because machining a set of trailing arms does take a long time. And it's a, you know, a big piece of material and that material is expensive. It's like to do one trailing arms, $1,400 and 70, 75. And that's just the aluminum. And then we do stainless inserts for the bolts and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. Um, but I always wanted billet trailing arms. I always knew I wanted billet upper arms and tie rods on the trucks and then all the rest of the parts that could be billet you know and once we started building more trucks it just made sense just to make those parts out of billet and now that we have all the stuff in-house you know now we kind of update all of our old designs and revamp everything with all of our new you know capabilities and just the more it's it's easier for me to pump out billet parts out of the machine than it is to laser them and have a guy sit there for a week and weld trailing arms the, the fastest I ever did trailing arms was uh, four days, 10 hours a day. And that was one set of trailing arms. What's the machine time on a set of those? Um, I want to say 16 hours per arm. So we're, we're saving a little bit of time there. But the machine a little bit more money yeah. up front and, you know, the machine cost and all that stuff. Yeah, it's funny when you look for us, like when you look at the billet parts, sometimes you look at it and you're like, oh, man, that's that's really expensive. You know, it's a billet part that we can't do that out of billet, but sometimes you don't stop to like really calculate the number one, like the human error two, the fixturing three, the time spent just physically welding it. And then it, there's some yeah. level of inconsistency. Like, you know, you look at our spec second gen Camaros, like the upper A arm, we do that cool trick little, you know, it's just like a 15 degree offset upper link arm. And it's only like, eight or 10 inches long, but I just, we looked at that and you're like, oh man, I mean, sure you can fab it, but by the time you're done, like you got to bend it, cope it, notch it, fixture it. It's just easier sometimes to do it. And it's significantly more badass looking. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and just the repeatability. And, you know, if the machine's on a four hour cycle, it's not going to stop to go take a shit or text its girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although they can go up and smoke. We just had a power surge and came into the lathe just smoking and not working. 
to Haas's on the way out to see what's going on with that. Fingers crossed. And that's also that never good when the, when the Haas truck is outside. That's yeah. never good. Yeah. <laughs> but they're good. I mean, Haas gets gets out there, wham, bam. They get it and, done. Yeah, and the cool part about Haas is their main facility is 15 miles down the road. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. right. So they're right there. And yep. like Willens, 10 minutes down the street. So we're kind of near a lot of people that we use too, which helps. Piggybacking off the billet parts, um, I know you you know talked about earlier that you know you don't want every truck to be the same and you don't want to just be you know shitting out a bunch of the same trucks and stuff. And I get that. I get the creativity is still what drives. If you weren't if you weren't being satisfied creatively, you wouldn't be doing bullshit that you have to deal with on a daily basis. I mean, that's 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 the trade off. Yeah. However, it is fucking nice to take those orders and stack up a shit ton of TRX control arms and stuff like that. I mean, that's <laughs> that makes all the other things a little easier. So you can do the creative shit that you want yeah, to do. Get POs for TRX parts that you don't <laughs> even have nice. to sock and probably got to make 30 of like, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, but 30 rear kits yeah. for like a TRX shit. and that, you know, 15 grand in uniballs and $15,000 in material to just to get going, you know, but so we're actually going to start on those pretty soon. So a friend of mine actually just got a brand new Raptor and he's going to drop it off next week. And then we're going to pull, you know, one side off and start dimensioning everything and start building stuff for the new, for the new Raptors. So probably all the same parts that we make for the TRX we'll make for the, for the Raptor. Dude, the TRX, like for the Mopar guys, I feel like you should hydro dip those with like repeating Hemi logos or like <laughs> skull and crossbones or like, you want that, be, you want that, badass. Yeah, you yeah. want that male, aren't you? Yeah. yeah the Mopar dudes would dig that. <laughs> you are not making any friends. I like the dude. My, I like the TRX. It's kind of cool. I like the TRX. Yeah, so that would cool. be if I had to go like buy a new truck. I mean, it would probably be like a Chevy twenty five hundred dually with our coilover kit, or it would be a TRX. Those TRXs are nice, and that's actually our right now one hundred percent our number one seller is TRX parts. Like we just finished a run of suspension parts last week and they're all gone what else do you build uh production suspension parts for uh we do chevy cr2 we got gen 1 and gen 2 raptor upper arms we got some tacoma upper arms some chevy 1500 upper and lower arms uh 2011 to current chevy 2500 3500 coilover conversion kits and a bunch of other parts to go with that tie rods, leaf springs, billet shackles. Just We have a pretty decent, uh, you know, product line right now. You know, hand brakes and battery trays and fender washers and lug nuts. And, you know, we got a pretty decent amount of products we got going on right now. What are the advantages of doing the billet upper arms with the uniballs in them over what's factory? You see, you see them on like all the, uh, the badass trucks and you're the expert. So what's, what's the advantage there? Uh, so basically adjustability, cause we use a Heim joint on the, on the chassis side. So it's got a Heim joint there. So you can get more adjustability rather than just the slotted upper or lower, like cam adjustments and then more angle at droop. So you're not maxing out, uh, your upper, upper ball joint and then obviously strength, you know, four times probably stronger than stock. You know, you're not going to blow out a, 
you know, a uniball or break that uniball bolt like you would a ball joint. And, uh, and just looks, you know, they look a million times better than, than stock. And a lot of these guys, you know, they don't use their trucks. They just want the cool stuff to bolt on them, which is fine. So. So you got to have the name, you got to have the name behind us. You got the street cred to know you can go beat on it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, definitely strength, adjustability and looks and, you know, especially if you're putting a aftermarket shock in the front of a truck, you know, a different coilover or something, you know, you can get that extra little bit of droop travel, trying to kind of maximize your, uh, your limited scenario there. Tell us about the, uh, the crown Vic build. Where did, where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah, I remember that way back. It's crazy that we actually, that was one of the first cars to come into my new shop here. And, uh, we actually moved it in before I even moved in here. Um, so I was, I think it's about 10 years now it's been, which seems insane. Um, so basically this guy just called me one day and he's like, I've been calling around everywhere. Nobody wants to do it. Uh, I want to build my crown Victoria to go off road. And I was like, he, he's, he took like, I'll, I'll throw it in my trailer. <laughs> I'll throw it in my enclosed and come right now. I was like, Oh, he's got an enclosed. I mean, he could probably afford something. And he like pulls <laughs> up and like, a, it was like a, I think it was like a Shelby Raptor towing an in, big enclosed trailer with this you know car in it and i was looking at it i was like yeah sure we could build this thing he's like really he's like everywhere i took it nobody wanted to do it you know he took it basically every shop through socal and nobody wanted to touch it yeah. we're like yeah sure we'll do it you still and you see what we're kinda, missing <laughs> we get those emails five times a day you know not that exact thing but can you make this into this or you know things that shouldn't exactly like you're talking about a, a, a yeah. crown vic to go off road you know it's a yeah. Rear wheel drive PT cruiser. Yeah. My car's front wheel drive, make it rear wheel drive. It's rear wheel drive, make it front wheel drive. Hey, I want it all wheel drive. You know, all the different types of stuff. Make it, you know, it's really high, I want it lower. It's really low, I want it higher. Um, I, you're, the, I guess, the first person I've ever heard that actually, actually like yeah, got something out of one of those emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. So it, it, it snowballed a lot. I mean, we did, you know, full cage, front to rear, front and rear suspension, all one off, like custom. It had, four link in the rear fuel cell spare tire under the stock trunk lid was a spare tire and a fuel cell so that's how big those things were for smuggling or whatever but you know 30 something gallon fuel cell and the 33 inch spare under the deck lid had like transmission coolers mounted in the in the in the trunk we built all the a-arms up front ls turbo 400 nine inch rear end you know just everything like four race seats it was a four-seater um, <laughs> and just and then literally the the, the the debut was at sand sports show maybe 2015 maybe or 14 so we had it there with casey lights in their booth because they had a bunch of their lights all over it and it was just like everyone's losing their minds over that thing and then they had a robbie gordon stadium super truck race going on in the parking lot so I asked Robbie if we can race the car and he said, yes. And then we pulled the car out of the booth, drove it through the show. And then I entered in like the, <laughs> the, the race and we were doing like the big ramp, like over under jumps and everything. And the owner of the car is sitting next to me while I'm racing. <laughs> Cause he nuts. was him and his dad were at the show all day and they were get, they got a little, tuned up drinking Coors Light. So they're, they're <laughs> they were no shape the to drive any. 
um, I, and I ended up bringing my helmet and my race suit to the show just because I was like, oh, that would be a good idea if we did that. And then it actually happened. That's awesome. so, really awesome. Is there a video of that? I, I've I got, seen videos I got of the videos, car. Like videos of, of me passing like race trucks during the race. It was like a six lap thing or something. Finished every lap, never went around to jump, like did all the jumps, like big over under jumps. Like we're 15, 20 feet in the air. Damn. Like another truck's going under and we're jumping over them. Oh, we the need trunk, those like, videos popped, for the trunk, sure. The trunk popped open. It was like stuck open. The commentator the whole time was just talking about us. And then we get the checkered flag and I come in, I grab the handbrake, slide and just start whipping donuts in the middle of like the big parking lot. <laughs> like everyone was just going nuts. That's and epic. then we pull, we pull into the pits. I open the door. The factory door panel falls on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Like it couldn't have been any better. And halfway through the race, the, the radio broke out of the dash and was stuck under the brake pedal. Nice. <laughs> you had no choice but to just stay in the so I was go- I went like two laps with no with no brake pedal. I was just using the handbrake to try to get it to stop as good as I could. But I'm, unfortunately that's, that's not the first crown vic that's lost its radio. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, after that, we actually brought it back to the shop. I think I bent because uh, we just built it kind of mild. And then went and did that with it. So after that, we brought it back, added some like king bump stops and made a new upper A arm. And then uh, the motor had like eight pounds of oil pressure the whole time when I was racing. The third member was like about to blow up. So it, like <laughs> it, it, it was pretty rough on that thing. But uh, so what was that dude's intended it, use when he came to you with that concept? What was he uh, looking for other than just on a long travel LTD? See, like, I'm going to go rip this fucker in the desert or like, I want to. Yeah. Like he just wanted to jump like, uh, so the Doobie brothers that like jump their car in the movie. Oh, the blues brothers. Blues brothers. Yeah. yeah. That was his like, that's like his favorite is blues brothers. So he just like wanted to like have a car. He could like jump around on the street or something. This guy was like a Powerball winner, lottery winner. What was, (laughs) was I think he won the dad lottery. (laughs) (laughs) but no he's a he's a super nice kid i I still kid i mean he's an adult but you know i still talk to him uh he still has the car the car now has like a twin turbo ls in it and he takes like ls fest and he'll drag race it and literally off the line it'll just like pull it'll twist so hard and just left front is like three feet in the air for like half track that's awesome (laughs) it sounds like something that would have a nelson motor in it probably yeah. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> tom would definitely build a motor for something like that yeah yeah i still haven't made it up to tom's shop he's like 45 minutes from me is he really over here yeah everybody's yeah. out that way man yeah yeah tom's good dude we had tom on the podcast buddy mine Done a lot for tom he used a few of his motors tom built some fucking killer stuff yeah, he's a freak yeah, comes yeah to definitely that. It, was that yeah. the craziest build that you've done crown vic uh for like the uh uniqueness of it i would say yeah that's probably that one stands out for the most marketing bang <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that was, was dude that was from insta that blew up instagram because yeah. back in that era i mean we weren't doing anything like off-road and that was dude it was everywhere i mean you're like what is that i remember there was like it was at night and you guys were like jumping it through some parking lot or something that was the video <laughs> that was out there yeah i was, I was like it was kind of like motorcycle mania. 
That was the yeah, next was. one where I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do with my life. <laughs> you know? That's what I was gonna mention earlier. Like when we saw Motorcycle Mania, there was no like, I'm just pull out my phone and see what everyone is doing right now, you know. And that's why I see in motorcycle mania. I was like, what? This is okay. Sure. I can get this. So clearly we know that guy was a Powerball winner, but the rest of your customers, what's like what's the average customer? What kind of kind of guys drawn? the kibby tech what kind of is it like a standard kind of customer you get or is it just like off the wall type of people that are coming to you i mean we get you know everything across the board um i think like one's a dentist one's a general contractor uh one or two are probably drug dealers uh <laughs> <laughs> But still business it's legal. Yeah, but it's, legal. Cali- it's California. That's legal there. <laughs> Dispensaries. Yeah. Um, a couple of them, I don't even know what they do. A couple of them I haven't even met. Some are from like North Carolina. Um, you know, a lot of them are from not around here. And then, you know, we got like repeat customers like Bond Gitt Jr. Um, and Lauren Healy. We're actually building them something right now that we haven't shared yet. That's why my Instagram is just a bunch of, uh, cnc videos and old <laughs> clips just regurgitating old stuff because we can't show what we're working on right now but um is the chrome truck done yet in the the chrome and gold truck it's uh it's at paint it should be done at paint pretty soon and then it goes to interior you can have and it then SEMA? That, um i mean if somebody wants it <laughs> for sema says uh yeah i haven't really done too much of the shows like Usually, like, say, like, off-road expo, someone will, hey, do you want to put that truck in with us? You know, if it has their parts on it. Like, yeah, sure. And that's usually what I do. And I, I've never had my own booth at any of those shows. Um, but, you know, that might change here in the future. We'll see. But um, How is that Sand Sports Super Show? I've always wanted to go to that. It just falls. It's, like, late September or something, isn't it? It always falls, like, too close uh, to SEMA. It's coming up, right? Yeah, it's Yeah, it's coming up soon. Yeah few weeks or something like that but uh that one's fun i mean a lot of those a lot of these shows are starting to turn into a lot of side-by-sides which i don't care to look at so you know someone's you know candy powder coated roll cage and wheels and a stock razor like this does nothing for me and that's what a lot of these shows are kind of turning into yeah josh has one so josh did one he lifted it's got like a mini h2 body on it and it's all painted yellow. Portal axles get yeah. a little more height out of it. It's portals fucking, and oh. 37. <laughs> off the hook. You gonna start making parts for those things? Doesn't sound like it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so they just I don't know, they're they're fun. It's just not what I'm like passionate about. I I just like steel cab pre-runner trucks or like fiberglass cab race trucks. Well, how else are you going to ride around um, at a mud fest and let everyone else know you're listening to Florida Georgia Line? He's from you, California, <laughs> not fucking have that Alabama, dude. It's the only way, that's the only way to do that is is with a, you know, a lifted razor on 30s. Hmm. 30s? That's it? <laughs> that's, that's the wheel diameter, not yeah. the tire. That's yeah, the wheel. We're in, we play yeah. in a different world than you. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, smallest no, tire we run is a 40, based on all of our builds. Right. You talked about it earlier on, like, machine costs. Me and him were looking at a lot of the side-by-side stuff yeah. and just wondering, like, how the hell do some of these guys, like, 
build complete like suspension kits for five grand. We look at it like the material cost has got to be seven and then they're machining it and putting all, you know, you know, yeah, some of the, in it. And I, just, I, if they're given away, you know, machine time for free or we're always baffled about how that actually even works. Yeah. yeah. Everyone always asks you, you know, get them side by side. It's like, how do I even, you know, this guy makes billet arms or billet, you know, radius rod kits for so cheap. Like, how could you even compete with that? It would be double, triple the price just to, you know, try to pay the bills at the end of the day. China. I mean, are they like even, even here? like Unit even some of the big guys. I mean, you look at like like Tatum does. They've got a whole new UTV line, and I look yeah. at the like the link bars too. And I'm like, holy fuck! I mean, I, comparing and the stuff those looks to nice, things, and, yeah. we, and we know that that she's making them all like in their shop. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like they, they, either so. they have like really fast spindles, or, <laughs> or they just don't track. Just speed rate. Just, Enhanced. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's always that's been difficult for us because we try to justify. That's kind of like one of those things we use as a benchmark. You look at that, and you're like, okay, this is a piece that's 36 inches long that has you know some decent like it's got some 3D machining on it. I mean, it's a complicated part. So yeah, and you're looking yeah. at the price point. You're like, ah, oh, fuck. I mean, I don't. We couldn't do that for that. Oh, quantity. Five axis and a shit ton like of volume. The- yeah. Nylon the material, the heim joints, the <laughs> space for the heim joints, anodizing, and I think some of their stuff's probably uh, machined after anodizing. I think I've seen some of that. So there's like so many setups. Yeah, yet another setup. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, How many licks does it take to get to the it's center? A <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery. The world may never know. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe we'll come out with something for like Pearl R or something and then just sell it for an astronomical amount and sell two a year. <laughs> There's always a market for that. Everybody always wants like the best be of the, the guy. Best. So from an exclusivity yeah. standpoint, like having something that's the top tier. Be just, yeah. Do if like I mean I could see it right now. I mean bitching gold billet parts on oh yeah on a black UTV. It's like some I mean, speaker yeah. pod mounts. <laughs> like on the, okay. <laughs> the uh getting to the wakeboard boat stuff yeah i mean what's do you, a, go ahead. do you mess with the sands to any of the like the sand car stuff uh no not really i mean i have a couple of my customers that were building trucks for and they have sand cars and uh i've had them bring their cars in here before to just do some work on them but uh everything that we work on is only trucks that we've built from start to finish so if someone else brings something in that someone else built like i just won't work on it so i started uh that really is i started saying no (laughs) you know i mean honestly that's the best thing you can do you know we've done like courtesies for customers friends and once that project's been started somewhere or it's got somebody else's stuff like it is it's a hundred percent for the time it snowballs start taking out more and look at this yeah. and you, it's difficult you know. to explain to shops out there or even other people like that would be listening but saying no to the right job actually costs you less money and those everybody yeah. everybody tends to get fucked yeah 
the customer is paying more than they wanted to, you're giving away way more than you wanted to, and no one's really happy in the yeah. end. So it's better just yeah. say no start, at the beginning just and just start over. Yeah. Well, they're already starting yeah. with a bad taste. That's in what I tell them. Exactly. They they already paid for it, which they just look at cost, and then they just think it should be right. And then you tell them it's wrong, then they just say, "Well, I already I paid all this much money, and <laughs> you paid it <laughs> to get done wrong." So basically, I, I tell them like, "Yeah, we'll do it." You know, we'll just start completely over. Like one of the trucks we're building right now, I told them up front, I was like, all those parts you have, junk. You're, we're selling all of them. I'm not using one single part that you have already collected for the truck. We'll start over there and then go from there. And if you want to do it, and then he said yes. Now the truck's getting, you know, full MoTeC and it's getting just everything that, you know, it would have got if we would have just started here from the beginning. You've also got the hot potato thing too. You're the last person to touch it, you know, regardless of how good a job you can do and how happy the customer is, you know, something that you had nothing to do with. You put wheels on now, the AC doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. And you're the last person to touch it, you know, and, and you've. Everyone's like, oh, I took it to him and they ruined it and it yeah. broke. And at well, the end of the day, you, you want to take care of the customer. So, you know, we're generally, you're not in business for long if you're just a complete dickhead, you know, to customers. So, you try to take care of it. so at the end of the day you usually end up doing something that you shouldn't have been doing it wasn't your fault but you want to make the customer happy so then you end up losing even more money you know i think this is actually like this is a great topic you know spreads throughout multiple different yeah. sectors of the industry but that is something that i think people should understand i mean like you you hit the nail on the head man like if it has been built by somebody else or they want to go back and do anything substantial to it the best thing you can do is just start over. You've got to rip the Band-Aid off because it's hard enough to do it right yeah. and have it be perfect, let alone... Especially with the parts thing, like you said. Exactly. There's supply and yeah. parts. You don't know what is there. Yeah, right. I mean, we've spent 20 years trying to find the right combination of something that works and works right. And it's it's very tough Like when you are forced into doing something and you just you know it's not going to work. Somebody you know spent, that yeah, somebody drive spent some is going to suck. That like, motor's going to suck. You know, yeah, that fuel pump's going to lock up. It's going to leave you stranded on the side of the highway. But that's learning how to say no. We 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 touched on it briefly in a couple episodes ago about that learning when or or I guess maturing enough to get to the point where you knowing when to say no and and you can physically say yeah. no is way more important than doing the right things. Saying yes to the right things, yeah. saying no to the correct things is more important. And that's a tough one to navigate because if you say no, then they just think you're an asshole. Right. Oh, yeah. you know, I've, I've done this before. I know I know what you have based on your pictures, and then it's just none of that stuff's going to work. If you want this truck to work, and you want to go across the desert at a you know 100 miles an hour, nothing you have is going to allow you to do that for an extended period of time until that stuff fails, and then you just wad up your whole truck. And then you got to start over anyway. Maybe it'll help if you say no, thank you versus fuck no. Maybe <laughs> no, it's no a, thank you. Is, is that what you're using? Yes. You have no money to refine that. And fuck those parts. It's a different story when you're in the desert. For us, like, dude, if, if it breaks, like, okay, you could probably limp it off to the median. If it breaks, call in the desert, you might die. Yeah, <laughs> you, you could be there for the remainder of your life. Which could be the next three or four days. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. So basically, like everything we build now is like. You know, the rear end housings are like trophy truck rear end housings, trophy truck hubs and brakes. We're starting to do a lot of Brembo's on a lot of the trucks. So just 
all the best of the best parts to just avoid all the issues that may or may not happen with, you know, the lesser expensive parts. You do mostly LSs and all that? Um, yes. So the two, so like the gray truck and the Tundra build that we have right now, they're getting a 555 big block Chevys. So like, a, I think it's a dart, dart block, you know, 950 horse race gas only dry sump, you know, all the, all the cool stuff injected. So uh, basically like reached our limit with an NA LS yep. and just, I always want more power in anything that we do. It's like, oh, this is fun. Then you get used to it for 10 minutes and you're like, I want more. But um, especially going with like 40 inch tires, you know, we lose 40% of the horsepower through the drivetrain. So like, cool, you got a thousand horsepower, you got, you know, 600 of the tires. Yeah. So I was going to say, we, you know, we messed around in your world just, just enough to be dangerous, but we did that Colorado pre-runner. That thing was like 750 yeah. horse, like tall deck, LS race gas and do that like i mean it felt like a 430 horse ls crate motor you know <laughs> it needed yeah, like 37 yeah. getting big tires and everything and then it just yeah it eats you, up horsepower you doing any you forced know? induction on any of these um so we're building that defender 90 with a 418 ls3 stroker with a whipple and that's supposed to be like a thousand um but not too much of the like the desert stuff, I don't like doing forced induction. I feel like the throttle response and just the extra parts, it's just not the kind of power band that you want. So basically, like, say you're coming up to a bump and then, you know, you want to be like a dirt bike. You know, right when you hit that, you want to be able to just snap the throttle real quick and just get the end to pop and just be able to set up the truck a certain way. And that just doesn't work with forced induction. I have yet to like have the magic combo to where you can like actually get that to have that instant throttle response. What yeah, computers and stuff are you running on that stuff? Uh, so all the latest stuff we're doing is getting all MoTeC everything. That's a, a lot of Holly or MoTeC. With that force induction stuff, that's something I've always wondered because you see, like you watch the sand drag guys like out in Glamis and everybody's about like, just you need to do like, 2000 miles an hour and win the fucking sand drag. <laughs> so they're massive fucking turbos, but like driving tur turbo cars on the street are a riot, you know? I mean, they're yeah. the absolute blast. It's, but... it's violent horsepower the way it comes on, but Glamis yeah. is a different story. You got big paddle tires and everything. It's just eating up horsepower. You know, like you put paddle tires on a trophy truck, you'll barely break 95 miles an hour in Glamis. Really? Then you got to, you know, a twin turbo sand car with a pound per horsepower doing 200 miles an hour, like nothing. But I just feel like the throttle response isn't there. Like there's going to be lag in the bigger, you know, it takes big turbos to make big power. And that's yeah. like you said, it's, yeah, it's, it's all about, you drive it like a dirt bike. I mean, me and Phil screw around in the dunes and you know, I've got a Whipple charge Tatum car. And that's the same thing. Like, do you want you have to drive it you're driving it like a 125 dirt bike and you want to stab it and just anything you see just whack the throttle you know fucking nose comes up and you just wheelie over it or something and it gets it done with the whipple yeah. but i always think about that because you can make a shit ton more power with the turbos but i just feel like that's for the that's for the dudes it's almost like bro dozing you know i feel like it's like 
You're gonna yeah. be the sand drag guy. Wait, you were making all the yeah, sand. I'm gonna get beat, dude. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get fucking. I'm gonna get fucking <laughs> beat up. Power water guys that, yeah, know. I'm not going to California ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the horsepower war guys. It just doesn't seem fun to like. Yeah, that's great if you want to go super super fast, but yeah. general driving. But it's like this whole whole ass sand car that's meant for duning, jumping, whoops, and then sand drags. You know straight line it's just a different thing right I mean, it's the evolution yeah, of the old banshee guys with the stretch swing arm stuff i mean those were those were the ba- those were some of the yeah. baddest dudes in the history of like the male species <laughs> the was, fucking banshees dude i sounded like, like those oh, and smelled like that dude the fucking race yeah. feel with the yeah. you know fucking pre-mix yeah, or 97 oh i mean we grew up we've got some dunes up here in silver lake michigan like four hours yeah. from here, and those banshee dudes just ruled the roost back then. It was the it was, best sound ever. Yeah, cut off jean shorts with some Axo yeah. boots, you know, and like a <laughs> old school fox helmet, yeah. no shirt, and just. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. were rad. Yeah. I, we're about two and a half hours from Pismo, and I used to go up there when I was younger, and we go to the sand drags and stuff. It's just, it's not what it used to be. Uh, I miss the, the two strokes on the sand drags is so cool. Yeah, the smell the sand adds like a whole it's it's another element of the smell. Burning sand off. Yeah, the there's pipe. something yeah. about the sand burning yeah. on the pipe. Like that's why I pre-mix. don't go to don't go to supercross anymore because it was so much cooler when it was two strokes. <laughs> yeah. What's uh tell us a little bit about more of the defender. Uh I've seen just a little sneak peeks here and there, but uh for those listening, what's going on with the defender? Um, yeah, so basically that came to us from, I think he's from North Carolina. So he shipped it out, sent me pictures, told me what he wanted. Then it showed, showed up here. Super nice, super nice interior, nice LS3 with a Whipple. Um, I don't even know what transmission was in it or transfer case. I think it was a stock one, but like the guys who did it built the headers to where you couldn't put a front drive line in it. Um, it's just a SEMA truck bunch of, yeah, it was bad. Honestly, the whole, like, we literally started over with everything. So, like, we pulled the carpet up to, you know, because we are going to move the motor back because the motor, like, the water pump pulley was, like, touching the radiator. So, it was, like, motor was just as far forward as they can put it. It'll clear it itself. You ain't got to worry about it. It'll make it. <laughs> yeah. So, we are starting to, like, cut the firewall out to, like, move the motor back and do some different things. And, like, we pulled the carpet up and the center console under the carpet it's literally just layers of duct tape. Like I just like put my hand through it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is it like gorilla tape or the shitty stuff? But like they really hacked finished, that. Nice finished interior and like nice body kit and paint and all this. And, you know, they had 150 grand into it or something. And we literally kept nothing but like the body. <laughs> They were doing all front and rear suspension, like spider tracks, front and rear diffs, billet, tube works, third members, uh, king, internal bypass coilovers all the way around, bump stops, four link rear, three link front, uh, you know, a reed case, 4080, uh, Atlas II transfer case, brand new dry sump LS3 stroker with a Whipple, and just literally everything. Doing full MoTeC in it with the big 12 inch display and so it's getting, getting all the good stuff. I feel like the the Reed case 4L80 is our era of like 
whatever cam and and double hump heads think, or something like that. Think, quarter race. Yeah, like you think that's like a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. That's something <laughs> like in in that's the, the last, one you put on the pedestal. <laughs> in the last four or five years, like we haven't had that in a while. Of the thing that we got one in the Grand we, National. I know. I'm talking about make the like the thing that we make fun of all the old timers for that bring up at the shows. We haven't had okay. that in our era that we've kind of seen come to I a point where. You know the read the read for read case four L eighty is like that's the thing you go to PRI and that's like all the way around it and I get it like it's bad it, it is it's badass and there's a reason for it but that's I don't know when you said it that just made me think that's in our era yeah. that's kind of becoming the you know Mark Williams the RV cam yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good but yeah like you see the one in the drum truck we had that one polished oh wow the four L eighty read case and the chrome truck is polished got a billet tail shaft that's anodized gold and then the oil pan is anodized gold Show and it's under it's under polished skid plates and you can't even see it <laughs> nice how do you maintain the gold anodized you like clear um, it, you fuck with it you do anything you, inside you just keep <laughs> it inside it in sun. <laughs> yeah like people buy our 30 dollar fender washers i'm like oh these faded after seven years i'm like yeah, well, dude, it, yeah. they're gonna fade it's anodized <laughs> but uh but yeah, definitely try to keep that stuff out of the sun. For sure. Especially building a $500,000 truck, you're probably not going to leave it parked in the driveway anyway. Yeah, you you'd be know. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on what that 500000 means to somebody. Yeah, it could be like 5000 <laughs> Yeah. How practical is driving a center mount, back half, full tube chassis truck on a daily basis? Um, not that practical. Because, you, you know, you think you got, like, full-on Brembo brakes. You got, you know, big race hubs that are a three-and-a-quarter rear bearing and a two-and-a-half-inch front bearing on your hubs. You got big 36-spline, you know, two-and-a-quarter, two-inch axles. Actually, you have two and, I don't know, axle shaft is, yeah, like... they're big. They're fucking huge. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, Pop you know, third member and just all that stuff, and then you're just going to waste miles driving it on the street will it fit through Does the starbucks drive-thru oh for sure all right okay let's think that's the that's the yeah. measure my raptor will fit through the starbucks like, drive-thru you know, so i don't want to go any bigger 92 93 inches wide like on the front track width and then the bed sides at the rear point are probably the widest part of the truck just because the bed sides have to kind of kick out so the tires can tuck nicely but uh yeah you can drive around it's just i don't recommend it it's just almost a waste of a prep you know, say you go to a thousand miles in Mexico and say something breaks at 900 miles that wears out because you drove it around for 500 miles down PCH, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, but you look pretty fucking cool, though. Yeah, Oh, I've, I've definitely done it. You know, <laughs> some of the trucks we've done, I've definitely drove them around town and drove them way too far on the freeway, but I, it is fun. Do you ever factor in uh, trailer width when building your trucks? This is a question directed at my brother here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we figured it out. There's we? a couple companies um, like Bimetal and uh, Euro Trailers, and they basically just anyone that races off road, they have trailers from these guys. So you just tell them you want like they're they have a couple different packages you can get and options. Basically, you just tell them you want a trophy truck trailer. And there you go, truck fits on it, perfect. What is it like a hundred inches or something then? uh i think so something around there but yeah it's 
drive over fenders and you can do spare axles. So what you're basically you know, trying to say, if I'm reading between the lines, you're saying that like fucking cool guys have 100 inch wide trailers. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Nice. Coat color match to their chase yeah. truck that they only use to tow that truck with. So they don't build smaller trucks because the trailers are smaller. They just build the truck and then trailer. I would build. No, I would build yeah, like helping the argument. Yeah, I, like it would be best because Hallmark <laughs> We've had to buy trailers yeah. just to go to see because <laughs> Hallmark somebody wasn't paying attention to those. When they no, we them. paid attention. We think we knew we couldn't fit in the trailer ahead of time, so we bought a trailer. But but I mean, Hallmark makes like a seventy-five inch wide trailer. You could put thirty. Get your Miata in there. Yeah. Yeah, you could put like thirty threes on a like a S ten and get it in there. <laughs> yeah, That's that wouldn't be cool. Hey, you'd be super badass. I, I think about this all the time to your, you know, asking about practicality of driving it. The reason I, that's what I want for a daily, but well, I know I'm not mature enough. Yeah. Oh, I, can't, I can't afford I it at like all. Five miles away Nor can you much. afford the, the ticket, the, the, the legal piece. That's, that's the problem. I know I can't afford it, so I don't have to worry about it. However, the dream is quickly smashed when thinking about it, because especially out in California, I mean, we, We've done some of those road tours. I mean, PCH and some of the stuff that out here I would have, I would get in trouble enough, but we still got like fences on the road sides and stuff like that. You're driving through there and there's no reason, there's nobody around and there's no reason why you can't just yeah. go, go that way. Yeah. And I would, I would just go, go that, that way. way. Yeah. I don't know how, and I know you probably have, but I've done a lot of that around here and I've gotten away with a hundred percent of it for some reason, but <laughs> So there's hope. Like, like the cul-de-sac out in front of the shop is usually just burnout marks, donuts, and then burnouts down the street. And the cops have come here before. We're like, oh, we know it's you guys. Just keep it cool. All right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We've had the cop pull into the shop afterwards with the uh, quote of, I didn't see a dragster going down the road, but if I had seen a dragster going down the road, I would have had to give somebody a ticket. So if you know what I'm saying... <laughs> Don't let me see a dragster going down the road again. Got it. All right. Well, <laughs> done. don't look right. this way. <laughs> yeah. Don't get caught. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but here they leave me alone because I think they know me. So that's good. That's awesome. I got, I got some friends in the local PD. So it's always good to have. Yeah. Like one night I got pulled over on the way home and then another cop pulled up, told that guy to leave me alone. And then he gave me my stuff back and I went home. What kind of stuff did he take from me? Just like, my license okay. registration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a backpack full of cash, yeah. and fully automatic weapons. Uh, gold, I, gold plate AK. I yeah. know that's a lie. Y'all are in California. Yeah, you probably had like a yeah, 20, 22 Derringer or something. That's about all you can have out there. Uh, now we come to the part where we ask the, some of the standard questions that we ask every single guest and uh, you ready no <laughs> yes <laughs> uh what was your very first car that you ever had and the story about that car very first car was a 1996 dodge dakota with a three is that a 3.8 or 3.9 v6 in it and that is the one i built all the a-arms and everything for Pretty sweet. Extended cab, regular cab. Regular cab. And it was red, and I hated the fact that it was red. It had, like, whatever graphics on the door. So I actually DA'd the whole thing, and I painted it black. Flat black. 
Oh yeah. Mean fucking hardcore. Yeah. Oh yeah. Super hardcore. Back in the metal militia days. Yeah. Oh, the metal oh, yeah. militia. <laughs> Do you have a sticker on the back window? That's... Oh, of course I did. The, mon- oh, the, the monster energy in the drink holder. Dude. That wasn't even a thing back then. Yeah, it was oh, like that. It was yeah. shit. Can you? <laughs> the other day, we're, uh, date, we're dating ourselves. Yeah, right we are. Now. The other day, date. Speaking of dating ourselves, I was the other day. I was watching something um, with the wife or whatever, and it was. Uh, oh, I think it was one of the uh, Xfinity racers or something, and it was Haley Deegan. And I, I told my wife, I was like, you know who that is? She's like, no, I don't know. And I was like, think of the last name. She's like, Brian Deegan. I was like, yeah, that's his daughter. So she's racing in the Xfinity. That shows you how old. Because I remember watching Brian Deegan as a kid. Like he, oh, yeah. I, he was the same, you know, close to the same age. But he was like, oh yeah. man, that's a kid doing that, you know? Yeah. And that's it was that's like sh- Moto Triple X before it was, uh, yeah, you know, Metal Militia. Yeah. <laughs> Way back when. Yeah, dude, I get, I get yeah. you like trying to make these references to make yourself seem young. But like, <laughs> no, I'm saying that I mean, we've, all, were, we've dude, all gotten old. You were, you were, old. Yeah, you were watching Don Gartlett's like run Swamp Rat <laughs> One, like back, right when you like back when you got your license. You know? <laughs> there's, there's, there's like two uh, years in between. I used to go to the drag races when John Force was doing half strip burnouts. <laughs> oh wow! Damn, shit. John Force, man, dude, I. We went to uh, the Vegas deal with Jesse James. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like walking through the pits with him, and he's just like shooting the shit with John Force. Yeah. That was like the coolest thing. That ever. was a fun. I forgot yeah, all John about Force that trip. Was just like, God, that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That's rad. That's a whole yeah, different really level. I'm really right now. Did you see Josh Anderson? I think there? <laughs> you didn't see him in the pits or anything? No, he was over at Union Grove, yeah. I think. Swapping the jets on his. Hey, you, you ever run into Josh Anderson in the pits? That's he will tell you some stories. Uh, next question. Uh, what's the best car movie, and why? Or truck movie, or motorcycle movie? Is there any that are like really good? No, no. It's <laughs> we said. What's the best? Yeah, we've we've done like forty of these things in the. The answers have been all over the board. Josh is still Herbie the Love Bug is number no. one. I'm I'm a Cannonball um, Run guy or uh, Days of Thunder. Every day after middle school, I would come home and watch Dukes of Hazard. Oh yeah. Every nobody, day. After. How the fuck has nobody said Dukes of Hazard? Well, we say movie, so it probably throws them off. Um, it's a movie it too. It's a shitty show. movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, for Jessica. I'll Simpson. I'll 100 accept uh, Dukes of Hazard for sure. Um, is there? Just- Slide in the car around, which was awesome, made me want to slide something around in the dirt. Oh, yeah, that's the exact reason I watched it for sure. Is that where you oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's where you figured out like the triangulation and the roll cages? To... Yeah, the extra roll cage when they're jumping compared to when they're just driving. Yeah. <laughs> Funny story, uh, John Schneider, which is yeah, that's Luke Duke, the blonde boy, yeah, Bo or Luke. He actually lived around here. I don't know if he still does live around here or not, but he used to drive around me generally all over town. I used to see him all the time. Yeah. Dude, I used to like live in glory days. Yeah, I was like super. And into- I saw him at the bar once and I told him to do a burnout when he left and he did. And it was fucking awesome. Dude, imagine, that, that, imagine how much snatch he pulled with that. <laughs> I, I pull snatch up to the bar the on my, on my Harley. <laughs> I was on my Harley. I go inside and he's sitting at the bar and I was like, no way. And he's with some other actor guy and they go to leave and I go outside and I'm like, do a burnout. 
and he, you know, he shows me the car. He's got some built Mopar big block in it. You know, he's running on race gas. So it smelled really good, but he pulls out and he backs up. He has his arm hanging out the window and he just did a big old brake stand. And then like second gear and just burned out all the way down the street. Dude, I feel like, honestly, I feel like you were just wasted. And that was Kenny Wayne Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. Like, I mean, he's got that fucking. Yeah, I know. Yeah, everybody, right? everybody that's in the industry knows. Right. Yeah. That was like 16 rides episodes. Yeah, of Kenny Wayne Shepard. <laughs> the John Schneider thing. That, that one, that one. It was tough for me when I watched him on the, uh, it was Barrett Jackson. They auctioned one of the cars off and they had him and he starts like dancing on the roof of the car in his cowboy boots. Just murders it. Just, and I'm watching the just fucking roof just like, roof. oh my God, like just dancing on the roof. But, and it's just fucking caving in. How did he dance? And then they sold it. <laughs> what kind, it was what like, kind of moves did he It worked great. I mean, <laughs> it's fine. He still looked all right in his, you know, cowboy boots and Wranglers, but. I'm thinking hey, an opportunity for a good collab on this one here. A roadster shop, Kibby Tech, General Pre. Oh, oh, you just threw it yeah, out there, huh? I, just, I'm going hard on oh, it. You did. Wow. You just gave up the hmm. word that the name of it. Someone I can just, steal that's, that's the, the exact thing, thing that I couldn't believe he threw out yeah. there. We talked about it like two or three times yeah. already. You got to keep yeah. those things to yourself. Jeez. Yeah, you do. That's a, I don't I share as much Sorry. as I you. Yeah, yeah, Phil's getting the fuck here. Well, Phil's getting like super. <laughs> Phil's, Phil's drunk. You know the general pre's done now. That's being built. But yeah. that's a, that's that's something that's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, this is not a standard question. Uh, but how's our spindles coming? For that? Uh, so we actually just finished them in the computer yesterday. So we just gotta get the material here and probably make them. See, I got to finish this cantilever. We're building like a little drift truck for somebody. So the five axis is tied up with that right now. By somebody, but, uh, I think he's referring to Vaughn Gittin Jr. Well, I'm, like, only reason no, I'm asking not, is, else. So I'm, I'm <laughs> asking, so this is, this is documented live. So when, <laughs> when my buddy from five. Marquette Customs calls me and wants to know why the chassis hasn't shipped, I can say, you know, look. Yeah, we can ship it waiting. without the spindles. You can drop ship those. There's a tape delay too, yeah. so you got that. Right, yeah. we can drop ship. Tape yeah. <laughs> delay. Um, yeah, but these are going to be the first ones we did for uh, for banks for Lockjaw came out really nice, but uh, these are going to be way better. So they're Sweet. probably going to want to make them a set too to upgrade. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Why you got the machine but, uh, running? Just throw some more material in. Oh yeah, but yeah, times all, two. All one piece, just billet, straightforward. Be a lot better than welding them together sweet so, yeah uh have you done Turned a lot of, have you done a lot of baja you've been down to baja i haven't been there in a long time um you know just been too busy getting busy i'm uh, i'm always trying to get somebody uh, we've we talked to a bunch of different guests and they've all had different of uh, varying experiences i always try to get a good baja story because i feel like there's stories that people are just not telling because it's in mexico so I wanted to know if there was something that you could tell right there's, now and get off your chest. You're looking for that like that donkey show story. No, that's <laughs> not, no. not where I was going. The with that. Truck flipped. We're in the. I just, is that all you're fishing for? You just fishing for the donkey story? <laughs> there's got to be a good Baja How story. The donkey does you. <laughs> yeah, that was in a movie. The donkey's like, like, fuck no. Um. 
let's see. I was out pre-running. This was the guy that I worked for before I started my shop. We were out there pre-running. I mean, we were out there for hours. We just stopped in the middle of nowhere and get out to pee. And I'm sitting there peeing, and then I hear the bushes, like, rustling around, and, like, five federales come out. They're younger than me at the time, and I was 18 or 19 at the time. And they got, like, their full automatic weapons, and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and they just asked for some stickers, and then we just kept going. But imagine just sitting there with your dick out, and then five <laughs> dudes roll up with machine guns, and you're like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, I'd put the dick away quick before any <laughs> negotiations started. Like, no, leave it out. <laughs> yeah, Only was, you would go to that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I've got so much. There's I'm so just, many stories. I'm just going to keep on moving. Uh, <laughs> last but not least is what's in your pocket right now? Time to do a pocket dump. Better be a sharpie in there because I know we pulled you off the welder. Yep. <laughs> Bam. There it is. <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, sweet. Sharpie. What, what kind of knife? That's sweet. It's the, the buck. Oh, yeah. Someone gave it to me. Good I think I have some gold ones too. People always give me gold knives. But uh, yeah, that and then some chapstick. Knife, sharpie, That's and chapstick. That's what I'm talking about. That's FK Rodden's chapstick, which is even, which is pretty funny. <laughs> you guys are, you, you two are getting learned on some chapstick, aren't you? Is that Jesse James, too? No. Yeah. I think Richard Rawlings. Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker had some chapstick. Basically, all, yep. like, some of the most badass fabricators out constantly. there. Eddie Alterman, I think, had some chapstick. Eddie Alterman didn't, didn't have any <laughs> chapstick, have chap dude. You don't want to be rolling around all crusty. Yeah. Nobody wants to. I, I, nobody get, wants to I get that out in the desert and doing all that bad shit and all that stuff. But Jer see, Jeremy's like he gets he he gets a lot of flack for his chapstick uh, talk. There's always <laughs> always a time to put chapstick or time to go buy chapstick. So we've always given him shit about it. And then it's it's amazing to see on these guests that we have on the podcast how many of them do have chapstick. Yeah, all the fucking badass dudes. Dude. Yeah, yeah. That's, Super badass ones. Not all of yeah, them. Yeah, all the bad have chapstick. That's right. <laughs> you get yeah. a little retribution. I'll give you that. I'm, a, I'm man enough to admit that... Dude, the two of us, we're going to be ripping through fucking Baja on some nasty pre-runner catching like... Multiple feet of air, putting fucking chapstick on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so bad. One hand on the wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throwing it out the window because we don't give a, a shit. In the center console just for chapstick. Yeah, a little chapstick holder. <laughs> yeah. Build a little. A just little, a little divot. Yeah, a little <laughs> recess. Have you tried the Duke Cannon huge ass chapsticks? Oh, they're yeah. like. <laughs> Dude, we, don't, right there. we don't we don't need all that like gimmicky shit like that masculine we don't need that you just want chapstick yeah, brand fucking good old-fashioned cool. chapstick you guys can get your yeah. man chapstick that's all whatever. i used and then fk rodden sent me a box of like 500 of these chapsticks so i'm just set for yeah. like obviously they know a couple up. weeks until i have to buy some more <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks <laughs> <laughs> oh ryan it's been awesome Dude, seriously super cool yeah glad you yeah. could make it on it was it was fun chatting 
if you're if you're going to be at SEMA, maybe we'll see you there. Um, if not, uh, I haven't we'll, been to that in a few years, so maybe we'll make it out to uh, the Sand Sports Show or if we're out in California. We'll hook. Yeah, you. dude, I'd love to come by and check your place out. Yeah. I'd love the, the opportunity yeah. to collab on something too, open. and for sure, if something yeah. ever something never was presented to us that we could hook up on other than, I mean, we've already doing the spindle deal, but I'd love to love to connect on something. Anything you need, let us know. Definitely. Thanks dude. Appreciate it, man. Thanks Ryan. All right. Cool. Later, man. Thanks guys. See ya. Big thanks again to Ryan Kibby. Remember you can learn more about Kibby tech by checking out their websites, kibbytech.com. You can also follow them on Instagram and YouTube at Kibby tech. All right, it's time for the glove box. The glove box. What time of box is it? The glove box. What's in it? I don't know. We're about to find out. (laughs) The glove box. I wish I could do like some some death metal type of voice. You would have finished that. This in the glove box segment is brought to you by Blade HQ. Little known fact, the HQ in Blade HQ stands for headquarters. Whether you're into cars, motorcycles, hunting, fishing, grilling, or any number of things, you've got the tools that you swear by. Have you ever noticed that the tool that finds its way into every job? It's a knife. It's a knife. A knife. It wasn't uh, a question. Oh. I was about to tell everybody. Oh, sorry. I thought you were asking I, I, I feel like you question. posed it as a question. Have you ever noticed that the tool that finds its way into every job is a knife? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> do you have the knife that you swear by? I know you do. It's called the PGS. I do. It's, it's one that you have knife. in your pocket. All the time. I actually switched it up today. I'm still looking for the knife that I swear by. I'm looking for that knife. I guarantee you Blade HQ's got it. Because they got the knife to fit any hand, any job, any budget, or any pocket. Just go to bladehq.com slash oil and whiskey to shop their selection of knives. Notice I did that by looking at you. It was very well done. And I didn't even look down. Yeah. Blade HQ, also known as Blade Headquarters. Or Blade High Quality. Not MFG. Not MFG. We found out what that means. Yeah, for. and we it's don't have to say it again. It's manufactured. Yeah. Yes. We know this that. This is Blade no. Headquarters. Blade HQ. Cool. All right, guys, what do we have this week? What do we have in our pockets? Phil, you got something new? What do you have this week? Not super new. I just have the uh, Benchmade Shootout. That's Shoot that out. Mm-hmm. Do you have one of those? I've got one. He finally does. I changed his profile picture to this knife because he didn't have it, and I did. What so every you time he it, calls. What did you change it to now that I have one? Uh, I still have that picture. It was just nice huh. seeing that every time he texts me or calls, I can see a picture of a knife that I knew he didn't have. It's but a good knife. It's an awesome knife. It's the best action on the OTF. That's a fast. Super How smooth. is it against bees? Answer, not very good. Because Whoa, wait, a minute. Tough. wait a minute. This is coming from the guy who has I to have, be. Yes. Could be one of the coolest things. Yeah. It's retribution. The <laughs> word got I out. Ever done. You better come corrected. I, you're right. So I had a bench made in my pocket at the time. It was a couple of years ago. Went to a uh, pumpkin patch with uh, my wife and one of her friends and the kids. And there's a bee swarming around. And me being slightly immature, uh, pulled out my knife and flipped it open. And I said, I'm going to cut this bee in half. It flew by and I sliced it in half. And Melissa's friend witnessed it and thought it was the coolest thing she has ever seen. So this is the Benchmade Shootout. One of the one of the coolest ones that Benchmade's come out in a while. Available at Blade HQ. I would have myself one right now. Um, 
Why don't you? Yeah, why not? Because you two have one. And I just and that doesn't come in OD. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna give it enough time. No, I love this fucking knife. I, I my son is dying for one. Um, I think I can give it enough time, and then I'll I'll make the purchase. I if, I feel like it's following suit if I get one now. And I fucking love that. That's awesome. A hell, it's a hell of a knife. It's a too. great knife too for anybody that doesn't have an, an automatic out the front. Um, good price point. Great price point. I think probably one of the best. OTF knives that they or anybody makes. Dude, this is it's the spec chassis of the, yeah. of the Benchmade knife, honestly, because you look at it and you're like, oh, it's inexpensive. Like it's it's probably not that good. It's a plastic handle. Like maybe it's MIG welded, but bam, no, this thing is so finely like engineered, well assembled, and just well designed. It's a fucking killer knife. Awesome knife. Yeah. Solid comparison. Benchmade Shootout, available at Blade HQ. Get you one. That's all you got in your pockets? That's all I got in my pockets. Uh, Other thing, Josh. Anderson. Josh Anderson on the big end. Yeah, this is cool stuff. Came across uh, these guys a couple weeks ago. uh, Found them on Amazon. I was looking for um, some bourbon barrel uh, smoking chunks for... uh, for smoking meats, if you will, uh, Midwest Barrel Company. They have a whole bunch of different uh, variations of wood chunks, um, bourbon barrel aged stout. Uh, I did a wine barrel uh, oak chunks for smoked a picanha over the weekend that turned out phenomenal. Open these things up. These smell 100% like a beer barrel, like what you'd think a beer barrel would. The wine has got a really deep Cabernet uh, flavor. And question, Josh, this actual wood chunks from Urban Barrels? Yes, these right here are uh, barrel aged stout beer aged in Bourbon Barrels. Okay, so they're the staves that they cut down. Um, the oak is very uh, dense and produces a lot of smoke. So if you're smoking them, I would go light. I use like one. For uh, a lot of stuff, but I did a, a picanha with the uh, wine barrel. Um, awesome smell uh, while they were smoking, and great flavor in the meat. Just figured it was a perfect fit. Oil and whiskey, whiskey barrels, whiskey barrel chips. Do a lot of uh, grilling, smoking. Um, I've got two other ones that I'm excited to try. Check them out. MidwestBarrelCompany.com. MidwestBarrelCompany.com. You know what's going through my head the whole time is how much money they've made off that barrel. Yeah, they, like, they, put some, they put yeah. some bit whiskey in it, and they're like, you know what? Let's put some fucking we'll wine some, in it, then put some whiskey in that. Then we'll sell beer out of it. Yeah, then we'll chop them all get, up and sell them to guys yeah. for smoking. Get they also sell the barrel heads really? on their website for yeah, wall hangings. And then, like, yeah, after that, Phil's using all these hardwoods for smoking his meat. But, so it's you get a lot of life out of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. We were talking about we, they chop them all up yeah. and then can sell them to it's, smoke. Uh. That's all I'm bringing that's a, to the table. That's a this great. Week. That's a that great is cool. Find. I'm gonna try those out. I wonder. If, so you think that that like translates? You can taste. It in you the can't because I know. Well, I'm the like, wine so much, but I've smoking like steaks and uh, any beef. I always like doing the um, Jack Daniels uh, barrel chips, but I hate the flavor of Jack Daniels. But you can 
taste the difference and smell the difference. TGI Fridays has got that shit locked down. <laughs> they do. They but do. I get when you're trying to do higher end stuff. Yeah, I a little higher end. But yeah, I think the, the oak and how dense these are, and you can smell it. There's insane wine and bourbon flavor. Just open the bag. What do you think that's from? Probably the wine and the uh, the bourbon that's uh, that aged makes, in that it. That makes sense. Yeah, I gotta try that. Midwest Barrel it. Company. That is cool. Highly recommend for any uh, any beef. Anything else, pork, chicken will overpower it. Beef. That's a that good. That's stinks. a good pull. Good recommendation. I'm gonna give that a shot. What do you uh, have in your pocket? Oh. This little guy. I think you and I picked these up together, didn't we? That's coming up. That trip is coming yeah, up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yep. it. That's the uh, it's a jukebox, right? Yep. So Gerber knife. I've I've flicked this thing like ten thousand times. I've lubed it up. This is an inexpensive knife, like a thirty five dollar knife, but it's a you know cleaver blade. It's got that kind of classic uh, straight know, edge razor. It, yeah, straight edge razor style. But it was really stiff when I got it. So I've I've got it like to the point now where it works well. My problem is it's a flipper, but it has such a long flipper kind of mechanism on it. I haven't figured out like the best method. I've got a trick for you. So here, when I've I got it to two stage, for me, I find that flicking it. Right, you you're a big fan of that. I like the upside down little wrist flick, but mm. show me a well, one is, stage. Nope. This Let's is, see what you got. This is this is not about technique. This is so I have this knife. I yep. was I was. I like them a lot looser, right? Yep. So this is what I did, this little modification. So I took this knife apart, right? And there's two bronze guides, bushings, if you will, that are in there. You take those out, right? Take a piece of notebook paper or copy paper, put a little bit of mother's polish down, right? You take those and you do a figure eight on them, both sides on the paper with the polish. Okay. It polishes, slides those things up. They're nice and smooth, right? Where'd you learn this trick? On YouTube. Yeah, 100% <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, polishes those up, clean everything off nice and good. And then anything that uh, you can look at the blade too. Sometimes there's just a little bit of roughness on the blade. You can polish that blade up, take a little emery cloth to it, take a little take a little 2,000, take a little 1,200, whatever it takes to get that thing smoothed out, then polish those yeah. up. I'll probably just jump on Blade HQ and buy another knife. <laughs> I was Possibly. thinking about dropping mine off at Josh's house. Yeah, you can do that. I, I love to tinker with that. And then put a little put a little bit of that um that blade oil on there and Chun's oil. Yeah. Oh that no, they got a different blade. They got a different oil for that. Yeah, a lot of oils for blades, but and it, it'll smooth it still won't get it to where it's just a full just flick. A but it'll 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 get it way so, smoother than that. I'll you know what? I'll take it home and I'll do but it. demonstrate your your flick technique. I'm I'm usually so you bring it around with the thumb once Yeah, but if it's smooth enough, you can do it all in one motion, right? Okay. I like to get it all in one motion where it's out like this and a flick at the same time. This you have to, I mean, yeah. this is stiff. Yeah, I've tried to I, work it in. I see where you're talking about. The, that's the only way you I can get it in one motion is like the reverse. It's like a backhander. So, gotta close got it. that little guy. Cool blade. A lot of bang for the buck there. A lot of style. Thirty-five bucks, I think. Yeah, a lot of style for thirty-five bucks. I, the only thing I don't like is the. Uh... <laughs> You've broken my knife. <laughs> you owe me thirty-five dollars. The top of the flipper sticks out, and every time you sit down, it stabs you right in the appendix. Yeah, that's well. It's not a great 
knife to carry around like the hot rod scene when you're around nice cars, fancy polished cars. Oh, fuck some shit up. It's a great going out knife yeah. though. Yeah, it's something nice, a little. It's got the tortoise it's, shell. Yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, tortoise, tortoise shell. Tortoise shell look. So, yeah, cool piece. So I got that going there, and then, uh, dude, I'm double fisting it tonight. Probably some chapstick. No, I don't have any chapstick. Not. But I mean, I know you guys like to make fun of me when I carry these off. Oh, no, see. We can't, they're your headphones, we can't hear them. Yeah, this just, Are you pulling something? No, What's all of a sudden this just came back, but I know you guys like to make fun of me when I carry these authentic Italian stilettos. It's a stiletto. It's an I mean, Italian look at that, You know, gorgeous knife, right? Mm-hmm. Great action. Yeah. Bam, that's a fucking comb. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> did you see that? You did not see that you coming. Were, you were you at Spencer's gift system. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. You know where else he uses that? His hair. Hmm. Yeah. That was a gift to me from my children. That's um, fucking cool. Yeah. So they bought that because there's... They get that at David and Buster's. No, they were out... I forget where they were. They were out of town and with and my wife, and they brought that back because there's two things... They know that, like, on this podcast, there's two things that we do or that Dad does, and it's say swear words and talk about <laughs> knives. So they... They bought me that. But do you remember these as kids? Yeah. So I brought the box, too. There because was, Look. Over there by the table. Oh, I can't. You felt like you were a badass when you were Dude, like eight or box, nine and had one of the these. The box was the coolest thing. Do you remember these boxes? I mean, oh, I do that, remember those. That's, that's like basically from the 30s, right? And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I, before I even looked at the box, I remember having these. And I'd hold it like as kids, you'd hold it up and you'd. Flick that sucker like right up to your buddy's face. Right. Right. Well, lo and behold, it says directly on the box. The first thing that it says is for adults only. Wait, no, I saw this before. It wait, it said. Yeah, right there. Adult no- yeah, adult novelty comb. Do not open near face. <laughs> so the only thing it says did not do is open. what you exclusively yeah is what we did as kids you just hold that thing up and you would like challenge your buddy you'd right. sit there and you'd be like dude how close you think hey, you can get it hey here uh. <laughs> yeah do it no i don't want to do just it. step into it once one time i'll do it be a man. I'll, yeah here. i won't get you in the eye ready <laughs> oh bad no it's not that bad i think i see blood <laughs> you're bleeding though fucking hurt so that's a that's a Italian switchblade stiletto comb from my children from Germany. Yes. Oh no! Oh, it was from Italian. Italy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. What's the matter with you? <clears throat> uh, I have. Josh, what is in your pockets today? Uh, Nobody ever asks you. I feel like you just bring it up. I do. It's just my turn. Uh, so my son wanted. A new knife. He also wanted his very first out the front. So he found him a Benchmade Phaeton. Phaeton. Knife I had my eye on. Um, however, Old Blaze didn't have all the funds to purchase said knife, but he really wanted said knife. So Dad thought this was a great opportunity. Dad, that's me. Thought this was a great opportunity to explain to him how the world worked with money 
finances and interest. D- dad makes all the money. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so dad purchased said knife. Blaze okay. is now making payments with interest. What's the interest? Where, what do you charge you on that? It's 5%. Whew. Seems a little Cut light over there. in today's economy. That seems yeah. a little light. It's a good. It's just light. It's about lesson. What are the terms? Like how long is that? Is it, there he, a prepayment penalty? He's got. Uh, he can pay as much per week as he wants to. Um, but he also understands that the interest is paid for the principal. So the longer he takes to pay it off, the more he's going to pay for the knife. Does he get to use it while he's paying it off? He unfortunately did get to use it right when he right when I purchased it. So, but I I decided to bring it in for the glove box. I've been carrying it for the last two or three weeks because he hasn't paid it off yet. So I figure it's kind of still my knife. Now, what happens if he defaults on that loan? Well, knowing Blaze, Blaze is Blaze is Blaze is a sharp kid. Yeah, you know, and he's he's pretty agile. He's, he's a fighter, MMA. Yep, dude, aspiring. <laughs> if, yeah, if if I were Blaze, as sharp as he is, I would take the knife. I would. Stab you in the throat with it. <laughs> That's aggressive. Well, and at at that point, there he doesn't have to There's pay no the principal, <laughs> the interest, anything. It, like, it seems like a, a lot to do for like three hundred bucks. To some. <laughs> uh, this is the Benchmade Phaeton. I like it. It's super thin. It's super light. Um, cool color combo. And it is great. I haven't seen it in the uh, the golden black. See that? Yeah, go ahead, check that out. Ooh, that is nice. Very thin and very lightweight. That is quite nice. And I rave about that uh, shootout. Mm-hmm. Until you hold the heft of the billet body. It's just, but it's just, the it's action. not one that's Dude, the better action, than the other. the action's good. I, I find myself, like, back and forth between the Microtech and Schmade OTF, but it is nice. It's a good one. I like the action on that. You've been around. And then in addition to that, um, since this has basically become adult show and tell, I brought a, <laughs> brought a new gun, another gun. So we have um, this is a new build that I finished up not too long ago. Oh, we have all the knives. Uh, this is an SLR Rifle Works uh, billet upper and lower um, and handguard in 300 blackout. Uh, About to cut yourself. I got a eight and a half inch 300 blackout barrel, CMC trigger, SLR uh, BCG, SLR uh, linear compensator, and some yeah, that right that's there. A, that's that, a switchblade switch comb. comb. That is a switchblade comb. There we go. That says man right there. Uh, had this one done in a Cerakote and a laser topography pattern uh, by Precision Tactical. Um, did a really cool job. They do like How do they a couple do of different... the laser topography thing. They, they have some cool finishes in that place. They do some awesome shit. Um, so basically, what they do is they they layer the the uh, Cerakote. So they do this this gold and charcoal, and she just does kind of like a faded pattern, however she wants, and then blacks does black over everything. Well, then the laser comes back and lasers that pattern and it burns through the black black, and then you see the other two colors through it um you know no line it's really cool how you can kind of get all the patterns i didn't want anything that was super flashy and bling bling but just a little bit of a 
a little bit of a pattern there. So you, you get the Kibbe Tech barrel on that thing. I got too. the Kibbe Tech barrel. <laughs> yeah, Kibbe Tech BCG there. Um, it's a one that's a little bit more Gucci, if you will, for for my normal taste. But I wanted to do some a yeah, little bit of flash. You're pretty refined and like, well in close the, to the chest. Generally. In the in the gun genre, I generally kind of keep everything more military mil spec um stuff that's proven if they've got military contracts and i know that it's gonna stuff's gonna work um to de- you know i look at everything as a potential scenario that i'm gonna have to use it to defend my lives or my loved ones lives so i want things that are gonna always work um but after you kind of start getting bored with some stuff you're gonna you gotta go with what's cool yeah you want to go a little flash um you've been in the gun thing for long enough to know that what it looks like is also probably 50 percent of it too and it gets to that certain point. Um, so it's a fun Normally, one. it's the point where we would probably start giving you a hard time about something. Oh, yeah. But this is yeah. probably one of the cooler things that that's you it. own. It's badass. It's a, it's uh, a that's, cool one. That's what I was yeah. going to say. I was going to like, I was. <laughs> you I wanted thought, you I wanted well, to find something yeah, wrong I thought, with it, but I, I thought, can't. I thought it, this would be a great opportunity to just like, you know, harass Josh or do something. But I was going to say that, like, I feel like it is something we should share viewers with the listeners your gun room because hmm. you know this came up in conversation. you go on a field trip well this came up in conversation the other day with ironclad dudes and i'm like that honestly is like the ultimate man's face and josh has put together like a hell of a cool little space there with a lot of bitching firearms that's something that men should see you know I appreciate men should, that. Men, okay. men should see, men should gather there. I, uh, really. I don't know if I want like the whole world knowing that. There's only eight or people seeing it. Oh, you're That's right. About that. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, there's like, I kept thinking this was <laughs> no, like it, going to people. Yeah, it was, it's 17. We're up to seven yeah, double digits. Seven o'clock. 17 people. Um, I appreciate it. It's definitely something I've put a lot of Big, work into and quick GoPro in and out. Show us yeah, we could, we could, uh, we could do something. <clears throat> I think we could show some things. I don't feel like it's super like impressive, but I've, I've spent a lot it of time is, in doing yeah, it. You spend you cool. spend a lot of time in there, but it's something that you do that you happen to be actually pretty good at. That well, there are few. Yeah, it's things. probably like this is like two or three back Dude, to I'm, back compliments. Yeah, I am just loading <laughs> you up are with compliments, like, riding this win. Yeah, and honestly, like I'm not even going to shred you on this. I'm just going <laughs> to really. Yeah, I'm going to let it. I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna take this. Minutes. No, I'm gonna take this start to finish. It's just a positive. Oh man, it's I, cool. I really appreciate that. It is very cool. It's uh, everybody's got their things and their vices and their ways to uh, shut off. That's that's the thing that I've found over the last uh, ten or twelve years. That the one thing I can actually do and immerse myself into that I don't somehow find my way thinking about the shop or know these chassis orders or this customer or this you know employee or something like that no matter what other what else it is there's something that will remind you of that you're you're watching a show with your wife or you're going out to dinner or something something will come up you know people want to talk about the shop or something this is the only thing that i found that i can kind of go down there in the safe place and work on work on guns look at guns you know i found myself you know counting ammo not too long ago you know and reorganizing and and sifting and, and stuff like that and it's just a thing to kind of get away and do that you actually enjoy. That's not work. I mean, some people do yard work. Some people do that. I don't know. I think this is thing. just like how you're dealing with your daughter going to college. 
It could be. This is what it you're could, doing. It could be. <laughs> you're going down there instead of like crying, you just count ammo. My daughter's gone, but I got three thousand rounds of five five six. Oh. Next, we come to what are we drinking? This is a very special one. It is for this episode. It is honestly like really surprising. This was some good stuff. Where'd this come from? This came from Alan Johnson. We had Alan Johnson on this podcast. It was probably one of the earlier so podcasts. The second episode we did. Second it episode. We gotta get him back for it. Yeah, uh, I think we should on camera version. I think we could circle back on that because Alan is I think we need to have him in, in studio. We do. Alan's a quiet guy, but wildly talented guy, super accomplished guy. And uh he talked a lot, but I think if we had him and then Angie as well in studio. I think she could tell us some stories that he's not wanting to tell us. I've seen some pictures, like they floated some pictures out there, like some eighties parties. Oh, eighties big hair Angie like, yeah. in the OBS. Yeah. I want to yeah. see that. I want to see more of that. <laughs> Alan with the mullet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll work on that. Yeah, we need to get them up here. But Alan uh, sent us a few bottles of bourbon, and uh, this Clyde Mays comes from down there in Alabama, and we've got. Uh, we did two. We did kind of two. a selection, so we figured we crack them both you, open. You probably nailed it best that initial review. Like you're not expecting a lot from an Alabama bourbon, yep. but wow, this was pretty fucking good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And the the first pull of the bourbon was like, holy shit! I mean, that is shockingly good. And honestly, even like moving from that into what they call their original Alabama Alabama style whiskey. I wouldn't have thought that that is something that would have been like that good, but both were phenomenal. I mean, the bourbon definitely. I like the bourbon. A bourbon lot, definitely lot well above and beyond what the whiskey is, but the whiskey's very drinkable. I mean, much better than a lot of name brand desirable, desirable, yeah, yeah hard to find stuff. That's and that's the thing with these bourbons, man. I mean, you look around and you've got some big name stuff and some stuff that's like super sought after. And I have, I mean, I have a ton of stuff in my collection. Like, you look at those like the Kentucky Cream, and I've I've chased those down. I mean, you get like twelve years and thirteen years, and honestly, like, not some of it doesn't live up to the hype. Very good. Yeah, you you put it on a pedestal because it's it's rare, it's hard to get, but uh, I feel like this is one of those hidden gems, honestly. And not just saying that because this was gifted, but the straight bourbon whiskey, I mean, the original Alabama whiskey, good stuff. But straight bourbon whiskey, honest, honestly, that's that's a solid, solid bourbon. And uh, I think it deserves a solid review, really. I mean, I'm gonna, and that, that's going to get reviewed to a... Man, I'm gonna say eight one. Ooh, Whoa, going big. Whoa, yeah. You serious about that? Yeah, I think that was a. That one came out of left field for me. And that's, a little little surprise. Wow, yeah, factor it's, it's one of those. It's one of those super randoms that I'd put up there with like, like a Buffalo Trace. That's if it if you see that somewhere. I think it's and, better than Buffalo Trace. I think it's more flavorful than yeah. Buffalo Trace. Yeah. And I would I would hit Buffalo Trace with an eight oh all day long. I think that is Dude, I'm, I'm surprisingly better than 
that's anybody a, would that's think an eight one. I'm with you on that. And something we learned earlier in the show, it, these are done in wooden barrels. Hmm. Yep. Yep. For the listeners and out you there. You can sell them afterwards. You can cook, multiple, yeah, you can yeah. cook meat with you them. You can make multiple dollars <laughs> off the same barrel. We gotta find a way to do that with chassis. Slide mates. Where did we start? Before we received these, we there was something we had with slide mates. Josh brought one up like a long time ago. Yeah, it was one of the original. That was when they were doing their blends and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think that was pretty good, but that was like four or five years ago we had it. But it was probably longer than that, and, probably six you, or seven years ago. You pointed this out. This is like the coolest thing on their label here. I like that. Available since 1946. Legal since 2001. <laughs> Roll Tide. Yeah. I don't think it says that, but it's, it's, that's it's what implied. you said. It's implied. <laughs> I think it, yeah. That might be ghosted into the... That's a, it's a great that's proof. It Dude, it's it's, it's a, a great proof. It's a great yeah. flavor. Phil, what's your review? Um, echo all those statements. I think I would take that over regular Buffalo Trace all day long. I think your number's a little high. I'd go 775. What else do we have in the eight and above range? Uh, it's been a while since we've reviewed. We you all look at the numbers. Too. I might be just. I might just be throwing. We all did crazy numbers out. There. We all did Blanton's at an eight five. Okay. Uh, Elijah Craig, uh, small batch eighteen year was an eight three for Phil, a seven nine for Jeremy, and an eight three for me as well, with an average rating of eight point one seven. If you come down here on you the average, smart with the math. Oh, I'd had somebody else do that. Uh, we had I W Harper. Cab cask was an eight oh seven nine and an eight one with an average of an eight. Um anything else that's up there? We had the Rock Hill Farms, it was all it was eight. That's our that's our leader now. Rock Hill Farms is eight point five three, uh eight point five, eight point six, eight point five. Uh I feel you like had a uh you had oak and Eden, ballpark. French yeah. uh French oak at a seven five, seven nine, and a seven five. I'd you, take this over the you had the oak and eat all day long. Jefferson's Pritchard cask at a seven five, seven six, and a seven five. I think honestly, I don't want to. I don't want to go back on my word, but I think I got to dial it back to just an eight zero. It's Not, already. It's already wrote down. Oh, yeah, it's in sharpie, metallic sharpie. I can turn a one into a zero if you would yeah, like me to round, do that. Yeah, round that into a zero, and and not to take anything away from it, it's solid. But you're leaving meat on the bone for your yeah, for your views for the bangers. I, but, and I, that goes to show you, without looking prior to and, and skewing your thing, it was fairly accurate for it, once. It was that fucking good. It, it really is that yeah. fucking good. Yeah. I think, and we all agree on it. I think the uh, original Alabama style whiskey, it's good. It's up, like, dude, if, there, if it's there, drink it. It's great. Mm -hmm. but not, like, nothing wrong with it. It's not harsh. It's smooth. It's 85 proof. Probably not something I'm like gonna, a little lower on the proof. Yeah, probably not something I'm gonna go out of my way to snag. I'm gonna give that like a seven three, seven seven seven, seven four. I'm adding another line here. I'm gonna go seven zero on it. Josh, what do you think? I, I think you're right. Seven zero, seven zero. Or were you, Jeremy? Seven three. 
I think I might be just like super surprised when you look at, uh, you know, these can often be like confused with those gimmicky kind of bourbons where you see like some clever branding, some clever name, and they suck, right? Yeah. But this, but this, one... this is a breakout from that. You know, you, you'd look at it and you'd say, Clyde Mays, okay, it's from Alabama. I'm like, eh, I'm going to pass on that. Are just you... below Kentucky. What are your thoughts on, are you more surprised at a perceived mid-level whiskey punching above its weight class or an expensive whiskey not underperforming? I think I've seen more big-dollar whiskeys that I wouldn't recommend than lower-priced stuff that I would recommend. Yeah. I agree. You get disappointed a lot by the hype. I think do you think the complete opposite? Do you think that's come with probably at least a decade now of really getting into the whiskey stuff? Because you go through an area where you don't know enough to be pretentious, you know, or to be like brand conscious and stuff like that. You're just drink anything. You're drinking and you're getting into it. You're learning, and then the next thing and the next thing and next thing, and then you go for that you're, phase where you acquire some stuff, and you're like. You're novice, but you want to be higher than you are in your exactly. So your now, comfort level. the more expensive it costs you, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. And then after a while, you start kind of settling down. And you're like that. You know what? Like if we're gonna all three, four, five, six of us sitting around drinking, be honest with each other, it's not that good. That's really not that good. You know. I think at some point, like the best thing to do is a blind taste test to peel the labels off some of these, pour some stuff side by side. I think we're gonna be blown fuck away i think you'd be blown away you know honestly at the end of the day like i think you pour any of the wellers and they rock i think right? that needs to be our we're coming up we're not not far away from the last episode of the season i think the last episode of the season drunken stupor we need to yeah we do we need to have somebody somebody cool in studio but we need to do blind taste test we need to have yeah five six oh. eight you know, the only, the only problem with it is that it fucks with your palate, you know? Yeah, you can't do some of them back to back. We can yeah. cl- we can cleanse between. So, well, but you think about it, like, the Old Forester birthday bourbon. So I, I, t- I look at two bourbons, like Old Forester birthday bourbon and Noah's Mills. Noah's Mill. Those are two that, like, if you're going to drink bourbon, those have to be the only bourbons you drink that night. Because to me, if oh, I no, drink yeah. something before... Sweet weed in there, the 1792. Yeah. That's a falls right in there, too. Different ballpark than everything else. Yeah. When you throw those in there, they're phenomenal. But if you drink something before or after, it just totally fucks it up. I feel those are ones you could pick out of a blind taste test instantly. It, if it was the first one you had, though. Because uh, you're going to pick Noah's Mill out no matter I, like, where. Yeah, that one's pretty. Yeah, that, that's standout. That's a very stand. But if, if I was drinking like, straight Woodford, and then you poured a birthday bourbon. You're going right to pick after. out a birthday. But I don't, think, I don't think I would enjoy it. I don't think it would be as good. Do you think we can we could get Dave from Garfield's Liquor Store, also known as Liquor Emporium. Beverage Depot. Beverage Depot. <laughs> uh, to come in and, and do this for us. I think so. Because <clears throat> we're not going to be able to like, pour them, obviously. It's blind. Yeah. Um, is there a whiskey sommelier? Is that the wine term? I don't know what I'm you sure would call that. But I think David would be happy to come down. Dave, Dave, regardless, dude, Dave's 
Dave's somebody we, we should get just... him in studio for. Yeah, we need to have him in studio regardless because Dave's a badass. Yeah. Like yes. car guy, awesome car collection, a lot of cool shit. And also a definitely a a guy that feeds this habit that we have. Oh yeah. For sure. I think we need we, there's something there. We we gotta work out the details. Um but we need to do end of the end of the year blind taste test. I think I think we're all gonna be blown away. I feel like if we can cannot tell what a lot B Pappy is, then we need to switch to Scotch. It's gonna be like oil they, and high noons next year. Yeah. <laughs> if they if they pour the lot the same ring. If they pour no, the lot the lot B and I I can't identify it, then I'm yeah, like you said. I'm drinking What's the uh Eggermeister? Oh, what's the one? Vodka. Screw, I'm drinking screwball, peanut butter whiskey. No, you ain't. And white white claws. White Fireball. claw mangoes. You're gonna have, you're gonna have lips with caked chapstick. in chapstick. Yeah. Just drinking <laughs> peanut butter whiskey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. That'll do it for in the glove box. And next up is everybody's favorite listener questions. Time for us to take some of your questions. But if you would like some of your questions to be read on the show, send them our way on Instagram at Roadster Shop. Also, send us your cocktail recipes. We've yet to seen to see any good cocktail recipes. Have we seen even uh, a few? We've recipe? seen a few cocktail recipes. Um, but anybody that is making a drink out there that's like, you know what? Try this. It'll blow your mind. When are we going to do our showdown? Because I've been working on my ratios so I can like actually provide mixing. Spencer? Is pushing for Friday. This Friday? Yeah. This coming Friday? Yeah. Let's do it. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid Losing. of losing. You're the one that's postponed it like four or five times. I haven't postponed shit. I was a little late to the party to bring my cocktail because it took a little while to bring. All right, so this Friday, bring it. Dude, it took a little. I don't remember what I made. It took a little while to bring something that involved more than two ingredients. I have four ingredients in mine. So listen. And here, it's going to work. Guys, mine had fresh fruit. Here's what I'm thinking, though. It's like that. four hours to build his drink. No, I'm going to bring something, like, I might mix. Pre-make it? No, I don't want to throw this loop, but I'm going to bring something that I know is going to win because I'm going to bring just a mind-blowing cocktail. You have to bring the same no, cocktail. I'm going to deviate. It's gonna, no, you can't. That's this, not how it this works. Is, this is a slow play for a shot at mine. Just hang on. Yeah, it's called a rum and coke. I'm going <laughs> to, it's, so listen to this. You take, you know Coca-Cola? I know it. So it's yeah, regular Coca-Cola. It's a soft drink. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a yeah, it's a soda pop. Yep. I'm gonna take that and then so you pour that, you take ice, okay, you put it in a glass. So you put the ice in and then you put the soda pop <laughs> and then you put rum. Now you do the rum. Say first. Coke. Okay, Look, sorry. There's a lot of people that listen all over the country. Coca-Cola. And so yeah. let me tell you, soda pop is soda pop. Soda. Don't we call it that, pop. That's from his era. Soda. No, so soda pop. pop is it's Coke. Yeah. At any rate, I'm the only one that made a fucking cocktail. You guys made like I had our drinks. Drink. Like college those were like for college kids. Okay. Well Friday, Friday we'll fucking find yeah, out. We'll find out. Bring it. We'll bring it. Uh but if you want to send us your questions. I mean, send us your questions, send us your cocktail recipes, um, and get out there and try the stillhouse spirits. Because in this blind taste test, we're gonna put the stillhouse black bourbon. And I guarantee you that shit's going to punch above its weight. 
Because we like it. Well above. Yeah. Yeah. If you're look, if you're trying to identify it, I don't think you'll identify it, but I think you'll identify it as being really good. Yeah, you're gonna rank it higher. Yes. Than you normally would have. You know. Yeah. I think there's things within that taste test that I might, like a trained tongue, might be able to identify exactly what it is. That would just be something I think you're gonna rank. Your trunk. Your tongue's not trained, huh? Oh yeah. There's things this practicing. There's things this tone can do that you don't even know. <laughs> you just I go can, ahead and edit all that out. Yeah, you can edit that. Like what? If you want. Uh, I, I don't think I'm able to pick out a specific brand, but I tell good or bad. I think that would it'd be extremely difficult to say, blind taste test, this is this. There's a couple of them I know that we would if we put them in there. But I, I definitely think my, my thought was you're going to be very surprised at what you rank higher than the other one and the other one. You're going to be like, oh, shit. And that's the only way to do it is, is the blind. We're setting that up. You're still laughing about your tongue thing, aren't you? No. <laughs> uh, so ready for the first question? Yeah. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. These are listener questions. Fire away. Yep. Listener questions from the listeners. How's the chopper build? going i assume that's directed at you who asked that this is a listener is it, we have Gosh no heart. other we have no other information on that no somebody said how's the chopper build going they've heard about it on the episodes oh it's it's going yeah definitely Way going. to think on the fly there <laughs> bring in the information so the chopper build the chopper build <clears throat> was something started years and years ago and it reached a point where it needed like it needed somebody that could do it more justice than i could so i handed it off to my friend billy Steele, and uh i've been working on bill Steele's 68 dart for a long time and you just it's, it's, it's on par with the dart oh you just snapped the cork off in this thank you josh and uh i've been working on billy's 68 dart for a long time. Billy's been working on my chopper for a long time. But uh, when the dart is done, it's going to be fucking badass. And so will the chopper. I'd like to say next summer, you're going to see both the dart and the chopper. That'd be a great debut. It would be a good debut. I think we'll debut them together. The dart, the cool story with the dart, Billy's been building it for his kid, little Billy, who... Uh, Great this kid. No longer little. Yeah, he's a big, big boy. Great kid. Uh, and uh, I think he's, like, gotten married and all sorts of cool stuff. So what you're saying, the dart has to be done before the chopper's done. Kind of. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> dart, the dart's a bitch and car, but uh, after all the fab work and everything was done on the chopper, it's just, it's just not something that. I'm I'm not gonna do any justice wiring it, rigging it, doing all or whatever you do on a chopper. So Billy's putting that together and I would say that it's several like two to three months out from being running. Oh, we all know trikes so. take way longer than two wheels, so yeah. Should be cool. I think it'd be interesting to see what how that's perceived. A lot of good people like involved. Involved in that. Older style, you know, it's not like your super 
cool like hip bobber like josh's american tracker. iron horse yeah i mean that's timeless yeah <laughs> it's a big dog thank you is very much but yeah. i think i think it'd be an, i think it'd be a neat piece uh is columbus good guys event a must experience question mark thinking of driving out from washington state that's a long drive yep i'd fly but, yeah but it's another option yeah <laughs> if you're bringing something you have to drive i think definitely worth it 100 percent worth it i have no idea what this guy's business in is or what you know he's into obviously cars guns knives or whiskey if he's listening um a hundred percent think that it's a a must see what do you think yeah yeah it absolutely is dependent and if you're if you're looking to come there and bring something that is like competitive if you're have like an of the year type of vehicle then yeah you can absolutely man i mean make the drive bring your car out there that's like that's the stage the place to debut. even uh, yeah. even if you're not well, try gonna, try and get a get a room at the host hotel, or at least show up at the host hotel and just show up yeah. and the drive after in. party is as good, if not better, than the actual show. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, it's a great show. We love. I mean, in the host hotel, the parking lot, that's where it's at. Great time, great show. It's always been a phenomenal show. Absolutely, man, get out there. Answer sure. is yes. Yeah, buddy. Yes. Uh, what made it, what motivated either of you guys to pursue the future of success and business growth? It's diff- I think it's difficult, but it's also kind of easy. Um, never looked at it like growing business, always looked at it on a very small scale. Um, if you look at every single thing that you do as trying to make that the absolute best that you can do. The business is the byproduct of it. The growth of the business and everything else is the byproduct. So if you're starting off building like a Model A chassis and you're like super focused on making that the best Model A chassis like in the industry, it's going to take you to the next step. And then that might lead you to like the 32 chassis, make that the absolute best that you can possibly do. And I think every single one of those things, everything that we've touched, everything that's come into the shop, if it's dipping into the, like muscle cars, if it's what whatever it is, I mean, regardless if it's like if it's a trophy, like if we have to do a trophy for the good guys, uh, you know, if it's, I think it's having your name on it and wanting yeah. to make sure that it is just absolute kick ass and it's got to be better than the last one, and you keep kind of building that reputation, and you don't want to. Let yourself, your peers, your employees, your fans, everybody down. Um, I think it's mostly just don't want to let yourself down and sell yourself short and just keep moving forward and everything else just kind of comes with that. I think so. I mean, it's there's no competition really. The biggest competition is with myself, really. Like, if I can, like, please myself and I'm good with it. And whatever that does, it does, and it seems to have done well. So, those are those are good and acceptable answers. It pleases the judge. Thank you. Uh, what, do you, what do you have on that? Because you're you're equally as involved in this whole uh, <clears throat> deal now. Uh, the reason I thought it was difficult, and both of y'all said it very very eloquently, um, 
I thought we're known for our eloquence. Yeah, you are. So. I found it difficult is because I couldn't, I couldn't put myself in the thing of like looking at the motivation of do it because it's, I don't think there is motivation. It's if just you're doing, if you're going to do something, just do it. Well, just well try to try to do it the best you can. Now understand that you're going to have losses along the way, right? That's just kind of premeditated. But if you're going to do something, whatever it is in life and business, the motivation is because you're doing it. So I don't want to, and that's, I guess I'm not trying to not answer the question. It's, it was difficult for me because I couldn't put myself in that part of like understanding what he was trying to say or whoever was listening. It's like, what's motivating you to be the best at what you're doing because we're doing it, you know, it's like, or because you don't think you're the best and want to be better. Right. And you're never going to, you know, you're not going to start the first that you first thing you ever do or the hundredth thing you ever do. You never get to the point of being like, all right, well, I'm the best now. Nothing you do every single thing. But I, I really liked what you talked about is it's the, it's the piece. It's the product or it's the build or it's whatever it is that you're making, whatever part of this industry you're in. It's the next interior. It's the next set of wheels. It's the next part. It's the next this. That part, you do it the best of your ability. And then the next one, you do it to the best of your ability. The business side, the business success will come. If you do that, don't look at it as like, I'm going to build a successful business. Here's like the five products that I need to sell to make a successful business. Cause if you're focused on that, then these probably oh, yeah. aren't, you know? Yeah. If you're going to folk, if you're going to go out and have a business plan on the growth of a custom car business, just don't even like, honestly, yeah. d don't even bother doing it. Like the best thing you can do is just, there's a lot like, People are looking for people to drive forklifts, and there's warehouse jobs, and there's a ton of shit that you can do. Like, honestly, don't go out with that mentality and think that it's going to be successful. And it's, it's, yeah, it, like, I just had this conversation with my son the other day. He's out there skateboarding, and he's getting frustrated, and he's pissed off. And I'm like, the best way that I could, like, pitch it to him was like dude you remember that like badass skateboarder that one dude what was, the, what was his name you know that one guy that just like gave up all the time you might you remember not tony hawk it wasn't tony hawk because like i've watched those videos of him like you know he just kept doing that trick over and over and never gave up it was that guy what the hell was his name you know the guy that just like he just would he just straight gave up you know and he's like keith krasny no, fucking Krasny's a legend, dude. You're, that's yeah. <laughs> but that was the point. Like he's like, you can't no, think of those guys. Yeah, you, you, and I'm like, you remember that one, that badass hot rod shop? Remember the guy that like, like, he he had that idea and he built, but he, but it, like he just like gave up on it. Remember, like he just didn't like really right. see it through. And that's that's the thing. It's it's staying <clears throat> a tremendous amount of staying power. Yeah, and just Maybe. keeping on. Um, I, I looked at it, I guess read it, you know, what motivated either of you guys to pursue the future of success and business growth. It's it's like trying to ask somebody, like, why why do you want to win? Of anything you're doing. I mean, you can't ask somebody why they want to win or why they want to be successful, you know? the uh, I do like the fact that the, the some of the keys is focusing on the stuff, but asking what why the drive is to to be better every single day. Fuck, I don't, I'm not smart enough to answer that. I am no. not, you know what I'm saying? 
It's just what you do. It's yeah. If, How exactly is the positive tracker in unemployment? It just does. It just does. <laughs> uh, what made or kept you hungry to keep grinding, even though the rough days, even through the rough days and months? I think this goes back to what we just talked about, but. Yeah, similar question. There's always rough days. There's always things that take the wind out of your sails, but got to keep moving forward and look at everything you've got kind of on your plate and what you've built, and you don't want to just let that fall apart. you got to power through it, and there's been rough days that you've got through in the past, and you know you're going to keep going and get through whatever rough stuff's ahead of you and just keep moving forward, keep charging on with it. I do. I do look because it's still to this day i mean today for example you know we all have those days we all work really well with each other where it's like <laughs> you ain't got to give me a pep talk but you got to tell me i ain't being a bitch like like we've got That's to dude, push through dude, today honestly <laughs> and i told you today you were being a total bitch i i told you that too that i appreciate you telling me that because i'm more afraid of being called a bitch or letting somebody down and I'm more motivated by that than I am by saying you did a good job. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way we are. But to my point, like the, I've got, I look at everything in A's, B's and C's. That's the way I, I compartmentalize my daily and minute and hourly tasks. When things happen, you've got the A problem, the B problem and the C problem, right? The A problem is somebody's on fire, the shop's on fire or somebody's getting hurt. Like problem no matter what other problems you're, you're working, no, we have it. That's something that needs to be solved right this very second. Everything else can wait. The B problems are pretty fucking important, and you need to be working on those, but you could probably work on multiple B problems at one time. Cs are problems, but they come up. But if you're working on an A problem, you can't solve a C problem, right? If you've got one B problem and you've got three C problems, then you can kind of juggle stuff. Sounds you like, have to instantly... Sounds like algebra. No, you have to. I. That's the only way. Pythagorean theorem: a squared, b squared, c squared. That's the only way that I can deal with them on a on a on a daily, hourly, minutely minute basis of things coming, and you've got to instantly categorize, and then you know, kind of keep track of those in your head of like, boom, c problem, b problem, a problem. Ooh, all those go into the file. Stop. Fix this problem. Boom. Move to the next one. Okay. What were those three b problems that I put in the file while I was working on the a problem? You know what I'm saying? Triage. It's just, that's the only way, yeah, that I guess to keep you motivated is, again, comes back to winning, you know, and, and winning is a broad term, but you want to solve those problems. If you're coming up with problems, you don't be like, I don't know, I can't deal with it, like have somebody else. You want to solve the problems because you know that it's another stepping stone and a thing to success and you know what I'm saying? I know, I know what you're saying because I like the I like the path to the win more than the win. Well, you know the win's always a letdown. Yeah, so, the win is always yeah. like anticlimactic. Uh, uh, yeah. I like the push to like get the win, and then I enjoy instantly like moving into the next push mm -hmm. to get the win. Like, not sitting there and like basking in like glory of like oh we did this this is. This is fantastic. That's yeah. The it's the challenge. I guess to answer that, what kept you hungry is the challenge. And the, it was easy to get bored. It's a it's a constant problem to be solved. 
It's, it is. Yeah. It, it keeps like, that's what keeps you grinding. But also I feel like a lot of the motivation too comes from just like realizing that it, like at the end of the day, sometimes you have to pinch yourself to just, it's not about the grind. It's about enjoying what you're doing. And sometimes you got to like pinch yourself to say like, this is what we're doing for a living. You know, like there's some people that are, there's a dude mopping the floors at a, at a high school right now, right now. Like as we're sitting here doing this podcast, there's a guy who's just mopping the floors and this is what we're doing, you know, and it, like not to like shed light on that or to shit on that, but there's always worse things. There's somebody like, cleaning the hotel rooms after Phil leaves the weekend <laughs> from being at a show. But, that's that's a know, shitty job. Yeah, all the serious stuff. And when you say, like, yeah, we want to, like, it's about winning, it's about working hard, it's about this, it's about that. But, like, end of the day, this is all our hobby. And the fact that we just get to do this every day. Oh, shoot, dude, like, people are listening. For a living. I mean, that's in itself that keeps you moving every single day. Sometimes you just need to, like, literally stop and pinch yourself and say, like, dude, this is what I'm doing for a living. Right. Like, hey, they're allowing me to do this. Right. For a living every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get a little deep, but yeah. It's good. not that deep. No, I'm not just saying it's a good bad point way. to end on. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, move into a little bit more lighthearted question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite employee vehicles? I was looking at this one earlier. There, there's a handful. Oh, shit. But I think I got to go Dean's Mustang. Yeah. I never Wait, saw Dean's Mustang. Dean's Mustang had the parts to build three to four other Fox body Mustangs in the back seat and the hatchback. There was like extra, like two or three sets of heads, an engine block, two or three portions of interior, yet not a complete interior in the car. And he would drive that thing, just beat the hell out of Dude, it. Dean it was had, pedal to the metal nonstop. Dean had a complete 19. 30 South Bend Lathe. <laughs> yeah. A cat, I mean, like, I'm talking in like, the Mustang? In yeah. the Mustang, like a cast iron fucking lathe. We had it at the Elgin shop. So when we moved out of the shop, that was like, that lathe was such a fucking pain in the ass. You could do nothing with it besides chuck something up. And it, the only thing it would do was spawn a piece of metal and turn. Not really true. But nothing else worked on it. So like we would just I would I would go over to it and take a grinder to it. Like I would make shit by spinning it and use the grinder. Like I mean these aren't I'm not talking about right. like precision parts, right? right? Like headlight bars, we would like taper like a headlight bar and then bend it up and stuff. So I fucking hated this thing. Well when we moved out of that shop, I left it there. I'm like, fuck this lathe, this thing can die here, right? No. Two days later. <laughs> because Dean disassembled it and put the whole thing in his Fox body Mustang. Dude, it's like tens of thousands of pounds. Right? Mustang's got some serious springs in the back. Yeah, but Dean would take this Mustang and he would do like donuts in the parking lot. He would drift it out of the parking lot. And then he would take it on road trips from here up to the UP. It would break down. And he would call me, and then he would tell me, like, oh, huh. I, I, like, I found the, the white, the, like, he would be in a torrential downstorm. 
the wiper motor would quit working. Well, he had two wiper motors in the, in back. the back seat. He had multiple Mustangs. He had with, parts cars in his yeah, car. Yeah, he had multiple Mustangs within his Mustang. That was a great car. I mean, it, and the fucker, like, it just ran. He purchased things, like, he bought a dual exhaust kit for it, where it had the uh, tips came through the bump recovery. It was a GT. So he took, uh, like, a hole saw, ran it through the bumper cover. Mm. You know what's behind the bumper cover? The rebar. Yeah, the rebar? The gas the tank. gas tank. Yeah. He went through the gas tank? Yeah. Just went, Rob no, he, he went through the gas tank. Rob also went through the gas tank. That was a good car. Yeah. I was going more. He went, uh, he blew through probably $40, $50 a week in coolant that he would take from the uh, the parts room. Yeah. A couple head gaskets gone, just dump it yep. in, and it kept running. And employee vehicles is... I'm going on That's current a, stuff. There's a there's a white. Oh, what I know says, what you're talking about. What says Caprice looks like a modern cop car. Um, it's got to be a, a Pontiac G6 or uh, uh, the, the Chevy the, SS. In, yeah. Chevy SS. Yeah. Right. With a 4,000 lift cam. That thing is it's cam. Nasty. It's got Brembo's. Um, that's a newer guy that's over in the chassis shop. And that thing hits a fucking lick when it leaves. That's it's got a, some yeah. chop to it. Yeah, that's. That's got hey, some chop. The hmm. other one, the station wagon. Station, the Dean station well, wagon. No, no, there's no a station Evan, wagon over at the chassis shop now. Evan, is it a dent side or a bump side? Evan's got. Yep, it's a one bump. of the two. It's a bump. Yeah. It's a bump side. He's, he's talking a lot of shit, dude. Oh, really? Yeah, he's talking all kinds of shit. Who does he want to race? He's got a big ass turbo on your Camaro. Thing. No, he's he wants to race the Grand National. Really? Yeah, I think he's just. I think he's just saying things. I got you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he must be just saying things. There's that 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 cruise. That, that cruise got some cool shit. Yeah, him and uh, him and Ryan have some fucking badass. Yeah, right, we don't we don't have a tremendous amount of like kick ass hot rods in the parking lot, but uh, I think Evan and Ryan get some cool cars. There is a there is a mid eighties uh, front wheel drive era. GM, I think it's a celebrity or a Buick wagon, maroon. That's at the uh, other chassis facility. You have got to feast your eyes. This is mint. This is probably thirty thousand original miles. Fucking awesome. Yeah. Little Mikey's got his seventy-one. Andy's brother that drives it. Yeah. Little Mikey's got his seventy-one L Camino. Yeah. Hugger orange with white stripes. We're probably at some point we still have to fight over the torque my torque thrust twos that I gave him. He like pawned them off on really? the day or something. Uh I dig the hell out of y'all's podcast. Oh, sorry, I skipped one. No, you can go ahead and skip that one. Yeah. I dig the hell out of y'all's podcast. The stories are killer. What car would you most like to build? We've talked about this a little bit before and all that stuff, but it changes like <laughs> weekly. We're all into different yeah, things all the time. ADD. Mine yeah. never changes. Never changes? It's always the same. Always the same car. Did you buy that today? No. Because I just wanted to bring a trailer. Phil's always like, I didn't good. say shit this time. Like, this I time, said, go ahead yeah, and do yeah. it. This one, it had like some weird VIN issues. There's, a, yeah. there's 
like a letter off in the VIN and everybody in the comments was shredding it. And it actually sold for a is this a car you want to build or a car you want to own? It's a car I want it's to build. Both. Build and own. It's a, it, this was like a 73 Pantera, but it had like a weird VIN issue where the you know the VIN number didn't match the title and they were trying to make light of it. But at any rate, it sold fairly cheap. It sold for like 48 grand. But California car, 48 years. The guy owned it. Pretty clean. It's a project car. But, you know, it's junk, but the body was clean. That's the car I want to build. Pantera. Like, I like the pre-L style Pantera without the plastic bumpers, but what I'm going to do to it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the pre-L, the later Panteras, it doesn't matter. It's the same car. For what your plan is. Yeah. What about you, Phil? Get two recent ones. I think always want to do still the... 64 66 suburban patinaed family cruiser but uh as we're getting more into these legends trucks and looking at some other models i really want to do a blazer on one of those something i can drive daily and have just a, a badass cool daily driver get some use out of it you're talking like the the early blazer the 68 to 72 that's like the man's version of the bronco right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. again you're just making up making friends <laughs> making friends I mean, I was supporting mm. Phil's, like, you know, position. I'm, I'm with but... you. I, I w- I'm very close there. I want to do a uh, a dent side Ford, um, like the one we've got over in storage. I want to do something like that, Legends truck style, possibly Raptor suspension, something a little bit more, not full travel, but mid. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more sporty jumping. Um, yeah, get Kibby Tech build, build yeah. some of those billet trailing arms. Yeah, because I can afford that. For sure. And with your, dude, but you've got, like, you, if you can't talk him into yeah. hooking you up with a set of those. Uh, no. No? You don't think I want to, so? I want to do that. And then I've also been on the, the Fox body kick lately. Mm. I, but Fox body is one I'd like to buy instead of build. Like I'd like to, I'd like to own. You know Until you really, own it, then you'd want to start fucking with it and change. Yeah. It. But I don't really want to, I don't want to like, Fucking crazy. I just want... You just want to relive the glory days? Yeah, I, I want to relive the glory days. I wouldn't mind having a Cobra. Oh. You want to be one of those guys. Well, those well, things were... Like Cobra R? The one that had the big standoff uh, spoiler? Well, that was uh, cool. Radio, early 90s. Yeah. Radio delete, backseat delete. Those Cobra R's were. Yeah. And they and only guys, came in red, right? Yep. I spent my, like, teenage years and, like, early 20s just destroying box bodies on the street. I'm undefeated against fox bodies that's you didn't race that many fox bodies in oh there was, you didn't come down you didn't dude. come down to the south where they Let put the hundred dollar bill on the fucking dashboard and no. like, hey man hey, hey jimmy d hey jimmy d if jimmy dean can't reach jimmy up Dean's. and then grab that, that hundred dollar bill Some that was fast. rob rivera rob rivera yeah <laughs> rob rivera hey man hey bottom line like rob rivera's dad put a hundred dollar bill Chewing uh, on your tongue. <laughs> next question: Will you be doing a Miata overhaul? Who's that question directed? At? I have no idea. Overhaul, like what? That's a. Yeah, that's it's hard to get. You want to clear the air right now? Is this the episode to clear the air and let everybody know that you are only mildly interested? You only have three Miatas. You've only raced them three times this year. 
and you're yeah. not currently building it. Dude, I don't, don't want to clear the air. Like, not at all. <laughs> no, you don't. I don't. Like, how you don't you overhaul gonna, a Miata. Yeah. You, you can't refine perfection any more than it has been How's originally built. Overhaul it. I mean, he had what? What was it? Fatty did all the, the spherical joints on it. Upgraded like they're one off. Yeah, normally they do vet. Yeah, stuff, it's all but... like they they were pretty like big in the C six C seven game, but they'll like somehow talk them into doing spherical bearings on all the suspension pivots. Other than that, I mean it. Like, I mean, you paint... honestly, it's up to the tire manufacturers to step. Yeah, up because you always said it's, it's a drive cover. Yeah, it's a driver's car. <laughs> he doesn't need like you don't need the horsepower. I mean, anybody like anybody with a bunch of horsepower can drive a car fast, right? That's a crutch. Yeah. So no, I don't think there's going to be an overhaul coming anytime soon. There might be a couple of more additions to the stable, but not any yeah, overhauls. Right. There's there's a seat cover, um, maybe a uh, Alcantara uh, steering wheel. Oh, racing. Yeah. Uh, next up, this is an interesting one. What's your death row meal? Death row meal. The meal you're going to eat on death row. The night before you go. Your last meal. Damn, dude. Totino's pizza rolls. Good one. Interesting. Would you have those? They only come in uh, two temperatures. That's either frozen or volcano. I'm getting the volcano, and I'm going to nip. And Because if you're an experienced Totino pizza roll eater, you bite the tip off of those things. You want them pre-nipped for you? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. But I want the whole fucking bag. I mean, I'm eating 48 of them. Yeah, I mean, you're down the next day, so what yeah. does it matter? Right. I'm just eating them. I'm going bacon sandwiches, white bread, fresh white bread, mayonnaise on both sides, little cracked black pepper, and piled high with bacon, and just keep them coming. Who's going to make those things for you? I'm sure they got women at the prison that can handle that. I mean, what? Same person that makes my sandwich all the other times. No flinch. <laughs> Who's going to no, make... what about you? <laughs> yeah, the woman's about... going to make the sandwiches. <laughs> what about you, Phil? What's your... <laughs> What's your death row meal? Ooh. I think I'm going to change Josh's mind on this one. I'm going uh, a Snake River Farms picanha. You're... It's the so, best piece of meat dude, If you ever. drop that... Ever. If you... I know, but... But if you throw that out on death row, I feel like there's somebody that's going to be waiting there to whip your ass. Hey, you're dying the next day. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but I want to get my ass kicked before I die. Like, if you throw out Totino's, like, bring me a massive bag of Totino's pizza rolls. I think you're in, like, solitary confinement at that point, so it doesn't really I think matter. think so. I feel yeah. like nobody's, like, who's going to say anything about that? Right? I'm... I'm 100%. I, I understand where everybody, everybody's coming from. I get where you're coming from. I thought about Snake River Farms instantly when this when I read this question. However, it's it's so fucking good and so rich, and you get so full. I can eat a shit ton of bacon sandwiches, an absolute hmm. fucking shit ton. But I, I can't eat more than you know one steak size of, of Snake River Farms picanha. I don't know. We're going for quantity. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm going for quality. That's, well, I'm going to prolong. My, I'm going to prolong this last meal as long as I meal. can get it. Throw some McDonald's French fries in there. Just top it so off. So Snake River Farms picanha <laughs> and a side of <laughs> yeah. McDonald's French fries. Mm. So Tina's pizza rolls pre-nipped. Yeah, I'd like somebody to just take like 
some super scissors sharp scissors and, and, snip some the corners. Corners. and then blow at them. Hey, hey, at first I thought that question was going nowhere, but we, we arrived. <laughs> we on brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you clump well, all that yeah. together, you've got a fucking meal right there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try that one night. Yeah. Damn. Finish it with a waffle light. Yeah, I like actually like yeah, I'm surprised no one went with the waffle light. I've had a shit ton of waffle lights. I still like them. I'd have one right this fucking second if there was a closer Waffle House. But uh, love the show. I have listened to every episode during my long commutes. I apologize that you've had to do that. My question is: What are your tips and tricks to make old Survivor cars quieter, like a modern vehicle, since you drive them hundreds and thousands of miles? Example would be a, on a '50s cars with hard top bodies, where glass and body junctions are not very precise. Another would be the Grand National, where the body isn't a hard top. But those frameless windows were notorious for popping out of place at the top corner of the A-pillar once you go over 80 miles an hour. The wind noise on long highway drives with either of these vehicles is a bummer. Have you played around with doors and door jams to incorporate modern ceiling techniques? Take a page out of uh, Bill's book. Um, Turn the radio up? Yeah, to some some degree, that's a good answer. Um, That's a tough one, man, because like, so you're still dealing with a vintage car. There's a lot of things that we can do with a vintage car to make them ride better, handle better, sound better. Windows, you can honestly spend, I mean, what do you think? You could spend an easy 100 hours dialing in. Yeah, the problem is even then you can't, change, you can't change the A-pillars or the drip right. rails. Yeah. But at the, end of the, the arrow. Right. At, at the end of the last day. last Camaro we put, like a combination of five different sets of door glass in to get them to seal properly. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, I think, just an inherent weakness. We can combat a lot of the NVH in the car. Um, DEI makes a lot of great products to, to tackle that, but just which shape of the window and just aerodynamics of the car in general are yeah. kind of tough to the, combat. The drip rail itself, the fact that being there, in my experience, has been the single most noisiest thing on depending on the vehicle that is what creates your wind uh, noise and your and the trim that's on it and the better we get on making the rear ends quieter and the transmissions quieter and the exhaust cooler and everything else not rattle and then more and more sound deadening better interiors and the cars get quieter and quieter and quieter it amplifies any of the other smaller things that were masked with other stuff it's the last kind of frontier is glass and he says specifically survivor cars the glass itself the way the glass is made the windshield and your side glass if you want to spend half a day on the internet search what goes into modern cars glass technology and the way they're built the thickness of them and the coatings that they have on specifically for noise there's options on new cars for I don't know, noise canceling glass or. Yeah. Let me tell you something about 1969 General Motors and their it Camaro. Was clear. Yeah. You got glass. <laughs> it was the glass type. It rolls up and yeah, down. And it was not noise canceling and all that. And that's the last thing. And you can get them really, really good. However, again, back to my point the aerodynamics of the vehicle, um, drip rails, glass dimensions. They were not made to be cruising down the interstate at 85 to 90 miles an hour all day long. Those cars weren't designed to, to go that fast for those, you know, 
So hate to not answer the question, but it's yeah, that's the quieter we get the cars. Right. That's the one thing that like rears its nasty head when you fix everything else on the car. There's a lot of things you can fix, like you said, man. I mean, like D DEI, we absolutely like blow their product line out on just every square inch of the car. The heat mitigation, I mean, every small little crack and crevice. And we learned a lot about that. We worked with the OEM, uh, like an NVH company out of Detroit where you put a car on a shake rig and you'd be shocked to learn when you put something in like an absolutely like soundproof environment on a shake rig, what transmits through the smallest little cracks and crevices of like firewall or an A pillar. So once you get all that stuff completely solved and there's a lot of great products to do that with, the weak link's the glass. I mean, it's the glass and the glass seals, but honestly, like, if you've made something that good and you've reached that point, you've you've reached pretty much perfection. Right. You know? You're in... You're Close in like, as you can right, make it. Right. You're, like, that's bonus round stuff. <laughs> right oh, there. yeah. Like, so spend your time at that point. The best you can do is spend your time. Be patient because it takes a tremendous amount of time of just... Fucking around. I mean, it's if, just adjustments and tweaking this. I mean, we shim weather strips, we lube weather strips, we change weather strips. The the amount of things that we do, you you slit weather strips to allow air to come out of them. Just there's so many little tips and tricks to do to get it to seal. And they're different in every car. And every, everyone's a challenge. I mean, on a survivor car, there's no secret. But my best recommendation, leave it as is. If it's not crumbling and falling apart. Leave, leave those, every single seal that you can leave, leave them like they are, and leave them manual windows. As <laughs> shitty as it is, leave them manual windows because they roll up and down. You're going to be able to, the thing about a manual window is you can just give it that extra little bit that a power window won't, or you can give it just a little bit down or whatever, but they're, they're sealed as good as they ever are going to be sealed right then. You know, short of completely dry rotted and broken out, but you can't replicate 50 years of a door being shut, you know, and seating in with a new, with a new weather strip. You're basically like what you just heard right now is that your father just sat you down and told you that he's been cheating on your mother for years. He just told you the ultimate truth. Like that is the <laughs> ultimate truth. It's <laughs> a weird way of, I get it. The ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Truth. That no, I mean, nobody wants to say it, right? But that's, that is the fucking truth. Yep. Like, it's what you come to oil and whiskey for. Yeah. Drunken truth. Yep. Uh, next up, what's the what's the best lap time Phil has posted in his Miata? Uh, it depends on the track. VIR, the parking lot. Yeah, these are. It, <laughs> I don't think are there like posted lap times for like most of the parking lot. So I don't know. I'm not in that era. Next question. Yeah, that, we're gonna have to push past that one. It's fast, fucking super fast. fast. Feels, yeah. feels fast. Like you, make you almost the, can't see it. Yeah, make fun of the Miata well, all you small, want. Make so. fun of the Miata all you want, but Phil drives the fucking wheels off of it. Yeah. 
Hey, They're little wheels. Anybody wants to challenge <laughs> Phil that's local, <laughs> show up. Lug nuts. Yeah. So show up to the shop in the parking lot on yeah. Friday nights. And yeah, you go talk some shit. Rev the engine. Hey. You can call Phil out. Uh, next up, hello. Great podcast. Always a good time, and you've had a hell of a lineup so far. My question is, of all of the many elements in your industry, is there a talent or skill that, when executed correctly, just blows your mind? Even though you see it every day, sometimes oh. you just have to sit back and wonder why, how the hell they do that. Thank you, guys. Man. What do you guys think? A talent that is executed. It's probably the one you don't know anything about. Honestly. Like, because... Anything you know anything about, and if you're a perfectionist, you're going to find a reason why it's not good and try to do it better. You keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing to do it better, but it's the one you do, you're not real familiar with. You know what I mean? Like, how the fuck they do that? Yeah, Didn't so, like, for, for us, it's like, okay, how the hell did they wrap that in leather? You know what I mean? Like, I look at what... Like you know, Carlson's yeah. trunks, for example. Well, yeah, Carlson's shorts, like... I said trunk. No, like the trunk of the car, not oh. swim trunks. Oh, I thought you said yeah, shorts. The, the, the swim trunks are pretty... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured Carlson in these little, like, tightly tailored swim trunks. <laughs> you said... You said Carlson's trunks. Yeah, his shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. That's one of the uh. best moments <laughs> of this. Oh wow! But you know what I mean? Like I look yeah. like so, okay. So Carlson, because we don't do right. It. Carlson's at the absolute. He's at the fucking absolute top level mm. of what he does. There's no question about it. So I look at that and be like, "Wow, right? Like how unbelievable!" Well, what's Carlson doing? He's looking at like what we're shaping out of metal and being like, "Wow." How did you do that? You know, so I don't know. It's all relative to like there. There's so many different skill sets. I think that's that's something that I'm like. It intrigues me because it's not my background. It's my, not my skill set. I don't have experience with it. So to me, it's, it's cool to see. It's a final. This is two part final assembly. Um along with a cut and buff. Um, and this is when when you're at a show or when you're at places and you see stuff and you know how difficult it is to go together after you've fabricated it and body worked it and painted it and put stuff together. And you know there's always a fight there. And when you see something put together seemingly perfect, you know, and you're looking around at the edges and stuff like that, along with the polishing in places that anybody that's in this industry knows they only make a certain amount of pads and sizes and equipment that you can polish in things. However, as hot rod builders and, and custom car builders and fabricators, you build things without ever thinking about if a polishing pad is ever going to get in there, right? And seeing, You're right. It's not your problem. Yeah, it's not. It's not your problem. It's <laughs> a fabricator. Right? Definitely not your problem. Right. right. Um, and seeing, you know, some of this stuff that's like, holy shit, like 
shiny is one thing. Yep. Anybody that's in this industry long enough understands shiny isn't anything to do with what we're talking about. It's flat, perfect reflection, crisp edges, no swirls, no curly cues. I don't even know how you wipe it down. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the thing that blows me away. We look it and scratch it. Yeah. We we wipe a car down, you know, after a show. So you're, like you're, you're intrigued by like the absolute level of paint perfection. Yeah. Yeah. And keeping it that way along thing. I know we've been around it long enough. We know yeah. what it takes to get to it. I'm with you on that. Keeping it through assembly, through the show, and being wiped off. I mean, fucking dust gets Getting on these things all the trailer. Yeah. Dude, are we, are we going to have Charlie Hutton on this fucking podcast or what? We should. Good segue. Yeah, we really should. Seriously, because that, I mean, honestly, that's a, that's black. It's, Fuck, that's yeah, black it's something magic. Something everybody chases. The lamb's wool. Or that something that like really that. is black magic. Um, you know, we've Lanolin? been. So, Maybe. Which just reminds me, because I'm the, like the worst at responding to emails. We've been talking with Randy from Paint House. That's another dude that I mean, does it to a high level. Yep. But the paint process, yeah, that's, that's definitely one that, that's a, next level stuff man it is i think I'll, i mean when you look at something that's relatable to like your skill set i look at the uh because I, I like sheet metal shaping you know i've always been i've been a sheet metal guy myself so i've been intrigued by sheet metal shaping and when you look at some of those dudes i mean that's a whole nother fucking skill set right and uh you look at what some of those dudes do where you take like something from just like the most like deep like shrinking operation all right you take like a fucking panel that just requires like a massive amount of shrinking to get the contour of the panel and then taking it from like shrinking that panel to get the contour of it doing it again well no to planishing that panel out and like stretching you know like the radius and all your contours into that panel and making it rest on a buck is one thing, and then duplicating it to the right. other side because that's the problem with building cars. Like motorcycles, you do it once. once. Cars, you have to that's do what it. I was saying. Doing it again, doing yeah, it. Yeah, cars, you have to do it twice. That's that's an intriguing, I mean, a very intriguing skill set for right. me. Yeah, fitting, like you said, fitting it on a buck. Because everybody knows you're gonna fit it on the buck, and the it's like you know, there's like a little gap under the buck here, but the fender looks good, like it looks looks like it needs to be. Yeah. But if you leave that gap under the buck there, you've got to do it on the other side, and you're probably not that gap's not going to be there in that spot. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you look back on that, and you look at like uh, like Marcel, yeah, for example, like it's an interesting guy, like what what he did. From a, you know, it was almost like they did it from a production standpoint. They don't look at like, like what we're looking at. It's just like we're they're building. Yeah, he the would thing. like. Yeah, he would like give you the shape, right? Like mm-hmm. knock it out, you know, like give you a car the shape that's pretty damn close and pretty affordable because, like, you take that. I mean, I'm guessing like, okay, you take a Marcel car, maybe he'll build you a bottle body, and don't hold me to this, but it's maybe like. $75,000 for like this body. The next guy is going to build you said body. 
that's maybe like more metal finished for like seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. You know right. what I mean? And either way, it's still getting coated front to back with with what? Just straight paint, right? You don't body work. High build those. primer and body filler, and then <laughs> a little bit of primer and stuff that. I think for me, it's probably the end product, kind of the culmination of everything that you look that we started with nothing. We built a chassis. We fabricated everything on the body. We designed and machined all these different components. We wired it. We plumbed it. We built this insane over-the-top car. And just to see that it came out of you know our shop and almost everything was done in-house. Again, coming in from sheet metal and lengths of tubing to leaving a running, driving car that is, from a performance standpoint, on par with some of the top OEMs out there. And, you know, you're racing against Porsches and BMWs and Corvettes on a road course and keeping up with them in a 70 Chevelle or a 69 C10 that we built from nothing. And then looking at it from the design standpoint and that we designed and machined this steering wheel, these gauge clusters, the shift knob, like all these individual parts and components kind of put it all together to build this incredible overall car. That one always still blows me away looking at just the the end result of everybody involved and managing that from start to finish, having the you know the vision and, and the design and managing all the different areas and aspects of the build to to see it through to the end. Are good. All these are good. I hope that answers your question. These are all anonymous, so I don't, I can't thank whoever it was that asked them, but all real good. Well, that'll do it for this episode and this segment of listener questions. Thanks again for everybody listening to Oil and Whiskey with the Roadster Shop and Ironclad Original. If you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating review. Thanks again to our guest, Ryan Kibbe. If you want more, jingles let us know if you want more miata talk let, let us, us know. know we'll see you again next week <laughs>